To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. Things are really changing. There are good people here. People across North Carolina are proud of the fact that the Democratic chose to have a convention here. Don't lose hope no matter what they say, because things are starting to happen. But one thing about South Carolina you can always count on, we're always going to surprise you. In fact, I've always been proud to be a Democrat. We need to recognize that we have an opportunity here in Georgia to take back this state and make it blue again. I think Texas is not only going to turn blue, it's just a question of when. Now that will tell you that we have progressed. Join us as we explore the Southern Progressive Revival. All right. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Jonathan Matthews, and I would like to thank you all for tuning in for our very first episode of Southern Progressive Revival here live on Indie Media Weekly Radio. Now, a lot of people have helped us get to this point. There are so many people that I have to thank, and uh, a couple of them will be on the program this evening. Uh, But to begin with, I thought that we would be a little bit informal with our first show and uh, just give everybody an opportunity to introduce ourselves to you so you can get to know us a little better if you already don't. So we are going to go ahead and start off the night with Janet, who is going to introduce herself and give a brief statement to everybody. All right. Um, My name is Janet, Janet Lee. And I just wanted to say I am a mom, I'm a grandma, I'm a former educator, I am a feminist, social justice advocate, I'm a union member and heart attack survivor. There's a reason I'm putting this in here. Single payer, baby. Getting close to the Social Security age and Medicare age. Um, And I am getting ready to start getting my pension, which I'm hoping that does not get taken away before I get a chance to use it. I am a liberal Democrat and an ACLU member and contributor, and I'm a strong believer in separation of church and state, and I want to say welcome, all of y'all. Yes, thank you so much, Janet. And we are so, so excited to have Janet Lee here. She has, of course, been a contributor to Indie Media Weekly in a number of ways, since its inception. Uh, I I don't know about you guys out there in the chat, those of you that are listening, but if you have heard her before, if you've read anything that she's she's put out there, she is truly wonderful. And having her on the show is really an asset. So thank you so much for joining, Janet. Well, thank you for asking me. My pleasure. And now we have Lisa Chapel from Greensboro, North Carolina, who will be giving her introduction. This is her uh, second time on live radio, uh, first time being a co-host on a show. Um, Lisa, I have known since I was a very young teenager, uh, so she knows a whole lot more about me than than is probably good for a co-host to know. But without, <laughs> <laughs> so, but without any further ado, I would love to give Lisa the opportunity now to introduce herself to all of you. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Lisa Chapel. And I'll start out with a little bit about my background. Uh, I've worked in the medical field for 20 plus years as a phlebotomist and a medical assistant. And most of the time I consider myself an old hippie and I usually like to do things backwards. Uh, Sometimes it just happens that way, but others, uh, sometimes I just do it for the fun of it. 
Um, I've had two wonderful children in my early 20s, a son named Joshua and a daughter named Ashley. And um, they are both grown and out of the nest now. Uh, I've been married to my third husband for 18 years and still going strong. Uh, we enjoy kayaking, camping, spending time with our furry babies. Uh, we have one black lab named Macy, a Siberian husky named Bear, and two kitties, uh, Bella and Theo. Um, so moving on, uh, in my early 40s, I went to Guilford College in Greensboro, North Carolina. I received their version of a social work degree. Uh, I knew going in for my bachelor's that I always wanted to be a therapist uh, when I grew up. So um, about five months later, after I graduated from Guilford, I jumped into a master's program for clinical mental health counseling at South University. I hope to specialize in play therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy. And I currently work with domestic violence victims at the local shelter here in my hometown. Um, I also consider myself a humanitarian, and I am Christian, but I am no longer a fundamentalist. Uh, I've done a lot of changing over the years. Um, of course, Jonathan knew me when I was a conservative Christian, but after I started college, the blinders started to slowly begin to slide off, and I was exposed to different cultures and truths that I never knew existed. Um, concepts such as white privilege and the school-to-prison pipeline, um, also where new prisons are being built based on the number of juveniles that are in juvenile hall. Um, I, began, I became very passionate about speaking out on social injustices in our world, such as poverty, hunger, racism, war, and civil rights issues. Um, I also believe that everyone deserves equal economic, political, and social rights, um, equal opportunities to solve these problems uh, that are so endemic, not just in the South, but in our nation as a whole. I also aim to open doors of access and opportunity for everyone if it's if it's within my power, um, particularly those in the greatest need. Um, I'm also passionate about the LGBTQ community and civil rights issues that they face. I am passionate about speaking out against structural violence and its effects that people have to endure these uh, injustices. Uh, we have a problem with institutional violence violence, uh, which is present currently in our government, our schools, courthouses, and prison systems. Um, the violence of miseducation, of course, can cripple minds. The violence of unemployment can murder self-esteem and hope. Uh, the violence of chronic insecurity can disfigure personalities and cause mental health issues. And it is that violence that I wake up every day hoping to change. All right. Thank you so much, Lisa. And I have to say that it's really good to have somebody on the program that has been a Republican, that has been a fundamentalist Christian, because as you were going to find out tonight, uh, being a Christian now who has gone away from her former fundy ways, she knows exactly how to take down the arguments that they put up against us. And I think that it's very admirable. Lisa has a very strong and wonderful voice to be heard. So, Lisa, thank you. Thank you so, so much for agreeing to be a co-host on the show. Thank you, Jonathan. You are quite welcome. And uh, Adam would normally be giving his introduction right now, but he will not be here until 8 p.m. Eastern time. So we will give him a little bit of time to do that later. Uh, so I will go ahead and take the opportunity now to tell you a little bit about myself and uh, just a little message that I would like to say. Um, 
I am Jonathan Matthews, of course. I was born and raised in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Um, I presently live in Kernersville with my wife, Sarah, who is Luca in the chat, so everybody can say hello to her. Um, I have a wonderful son who just turned six months old today named Liam. He is the love of my life, and I cannot imagine going through a day without him. But I uh, also would like to take this time to thank Kim for allowing me this opportunity to have this program, uh, to thank Kenny for all of his help, Adam for his help with the technical side of things, um, just just so many people to thank. But what really inspired me to start this program is that I know, Lisa knows, and Janet know how hard it is sometimes to be a liberal in the South. And there are so many times where it feels like you're just completely alone and you have nobody to talk to and you feel like there's no change that can happen and that we're stuck in the exact same pattern that we've been in for years on end. But I'm here to tell you today that the times are changing. Florida went for Obama twice. Virginia went for Obama twice. North Carolina went for Obama once in 2008, and there is a plan to dump money into that race again in the next presidential election campaign. We are changing. There is hope, and there is no longer any need to be ashamed to be a liberal in the South. That is the reason that we have Southern Progressive Revival, and I hope that you all will hear our words, will take hope from what we have to tell you, and will join in the conversation with us every Sunday, live from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. So without any further ado, <clears throat> since that was our uh, little informal intro, I would love to take the time to introduce you all to our very first segment, Gentlefolk and Situation. You know that everything will be all. You know that everything No matter what the governor says, you know that Everything will be alright. Forward together. Forward together. Gentle folks and situations. Alright, and that wonderful audio you just heard is a little old, but that was from the Reverend Dr. William J. Barber II, who was firing up a packed crowd in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, Reverend Barber is one of the leaders of North Carolina's Moral Mondays movement of dissent and civil disobedience, where each Monday they protest several actions by the government of North Carolina. But this movement has grown to cover the states of Florida, Georgia, Alabama, and continues to inspire and motivate. So if you would like, you can follow them on Twitter at Moral Mondays or visit the North Carolina NAACP website at NAACPNC.com. But... Janet has been following Moral Mondays for a very, very, very long time, and as she always does whenever she prepares for any project, she has done a whole lot of research. So it is my pleasure to cede the floor to Janet, who will be more than happy to tell you all a little bit more about the Moral Mondays movement in case you are not aware. 
All right. Um, I love Reverend Barber. Um, I have been listening to him for quite a while, ever since his mighty low speech. That's like my favorite. I'm sorry. I hope I didn't blow out your ears. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He is a preacher and a son of a preacher. He and his family moved back to North Carolina from Indiana to help with desegregation. Can you imagine that? They moved back in there. Uh, He has a crippling arthritic condition, a type of arthritis that's in the spine. He still has to use a cane, and I've stated that for a reason, so kind of keep that in the back of your head. Um, But he was preaching one day, and he stated that a few days before Easter of 2013, that crippled preacher found his legs. Because in November of 2012, the Repubs took over the Senate House, and by Easter, they had made a bunch of new laws, same old junk, removing same-day voter registration, blocking Medicare expansion, reducing the number of days to vote, and new voter ID laws that were all being enacted. Then on the last Monday of April 2013, his small group of protesters began to sing and read Bible verses, and Reverend Barber was arrested and hauled away, and they had started to take away the cane, but they let him have it back to use his cane to walk. And then the following Monday, because that kind of upset people, obviously, a hundred more protesters showed up, and then more, and then more. Um, so now they're into the thousands, and um, I just wanted to say, too, that Inside Indie Media Weekly had a guest on. Her name is Leslie Boyd, and she just posted today that her group, she's marching with American Journey for Justice. She's on Facebook, Leslie Boyd, and I suggest you go and listen to Inside Media Week, Indie Media Weekly and listen to that podcast and follow them. Um, and go ahead and friend her on Facebook. She's amazing. She's extremely friendly, and I really enjoy talking to her and following her. Um, And now Moral Monday has spread into a bunch of different states, and there's including Missouri, and there's been close to a 1,000 protesters that have been jailed. Yes, and I just think that as Moral Monday grows, This movement, the fact that it's sustained for so long is just so inspirational. And they are really working to enact some real change. And I I think that it's a wonderful thing. It's a powerful thing. Um, Of course, the African-American community in the South in particular um, has has had a very hard road. I mean, the the history is plain. Um, as, As much as you hear about... Uh, the racism here, um, you know, it's it's not as loud as it once was, but it's still there. It's it's in the institutions. It's still something that we have to fight on a regular basis. It it's improving. We we can't deny the fact that it has improved some, but there is still a very very long road to go. And Lisa, do you have anything to say on the topic? Well, um. I'm just blown away by how, um, you know, like you said, that there's a lot of people um, getting into this movement. Um, it, it began with just a few, a few people, and then now it's it's like 
thousands of people, um, not even here, but um, not just here in North Carolina, but uh, I think in states like Florida and, um, let's see, what I read something else. Um, there was other states that uh, this was happening in too, but I mean, it's just it's spreading like wildfire. And um, it's just, just, I just think it's a wonderful thing. It is. You cannot, yeah. you cannot keep the voice of the people down, no matter how hard you try. Yeah. It's an absolutely beautiful, beautiful thing. And I just wanted to say, too, that uh, they have been to Missouri over the Ferguson, um, you know, the riots that we had in Ferguson because mm-hmm. of the killing um, there, the murder there, I should say, or whatever. I guess murder is not what you're allowed to say, is it? can't remember homicide um but uh cornell west was arrested there and that was also at a moral monday and you have a moral monday that marched on billionaires in chicago so i mean it's all over and i i am really appreciative of the fact that they're keeping that out but there's so many people that are putting their bodies on the line and I think that if they have a Moral Monday near you, then it would behoove us all to kind of join in with them. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that it's something that if if you're able to do it, if you're able to march, if you're able to go to these protests, I absolutely encourage you to do it. These These are not small issues. These are issues that affect us all, no matter where you're from, no matter what your socioeconomic background is, no matter your religion. Um, I, I mean, the, the reverend of course comes from a Christian perspective, but he, he does that, I think at least from the same place that Martin Luther King does, Absolutely. Uh, from a place of love, from a place of unity, from a place of wanting to empower the community. And I really do wish them the best of luck in the future. And I know that this is a movement that will not stop anytime soon. No, I, I don't see it stopping either. <clears throat> All right. So with that out of the way, in case you hadn't guessed, and I forgot to explain this when we first started, I would like to apologize for that. Uh, Our gentle folks and situation segment is the time of the night where we discuss positive stories, uh, whether that be concerning politicians, movements, as we just discussed with Moral Mondays, uh, just individual citizens, anybody that is helping to make real change happen in the South. People that are here showing that there are true progressives fighting, that we are winning the war, and that we are making things happen. And on that note, it is my pleasure to bring to everyone's attention a personal hero of mine, and that is North Carolina State Senator Jeff Jackson. Now, some of you might be familiar with him. He popped up in the media last winter. When he did his legislator of one campaign on Facebook, uh, it was a very icy night. He showed up to the General Assembly building in Raleigh. And on that particular night, the only people in the building other than himself were the security guards. So Jeff decided to have a little bit of fun with it. He took to his Facebook. uh, He posted all of these debates and and acts that he was passing himself um of course they were all unanimous votes uh he he vote to he voted to 
uh, raise the pay for educators. He voted to uh, raise the money that we're putting into the film industry in North Carolina, which is a place that we've been hurting recently. Uh, he voted to take the uh, the insurance expansion money. Um, and even though it was a joke, even though um, it obviously wasn't able to become law because it was just one guy present, he actually had calls from lobbyists uh, they, his phone was exploding that night. They were demanding that he stop immediately. They they were all up in arms over this, which I think is hilarious. But the great thing about Senator Jackson is that he's not just a one-trick pony. This is a guy who really lives what he believes. And we have a little bit of audio for him from him tonight. There are two clips. They're both a little lengthy, but we will get through both of them. Um... Basically, as many of you know, uh, North Carolina has had a very big issue with passing our budget this year. And Senator Jackson took to the floor to discuss his opinions on that. So we're going to go ahead and play that first bit of audio and get comments from Janet and Lisa if they would like to provide them. So without any further ado, here is the first audio from Senator Jeff Jackson on the assembly floor of the North Carolina General Assembly. At 8 a.m., I came into my office and a new budget was on my desk. Now it's four and I'm being asked to vote on it. This is a plan to spend $21 billion of taxpayer money and no one in the minority party was permitted to see it until this morning. The truth is only a small handful of people had ever seen this budget before it landed on our desk this morning. Folks, if you weren't allowed to see this budget until this morning, I don't know how you can vote on it in good conscience. Now, of course, what Senator Jackson was saying there was common sense. This is something that is becoming a recurring trend around the nation, where we have states that are so heavily controlled by a single party that the minority party is being locked out of the process of discussing budgets, of discussing budgets, or or any bills. And, of course, we've even seen this on a national level with the House of Representatives and the Senate, uh, Congress as a whole, working against Obama on every single turn. Um, and it, it can be really disheartening. And the fact that, that he stood there and said that, uh, of course, was common sense. Uh, it nobody in good conscience could vote for a budget that they had not read. Um, and that, of course, snowballed into them not voting for the budget. Um, would uh, I? Do we, either of you have anything to say before we go on to the next clip? No. I totally agree with you. That's ridiculous. I agree. All right. And uh, in the next clip, and I think that this is my favorite part, uh, this is Senator Jackson owning up to the fact that we as progressives, we can take responsibility for our actions, but I will let him speak to you in his own words. I understand that including the other side would change this process. I understand it would make it harder, but history shows it would also make it better. You're not just asking me to support the provisions in this budget. 
you're asking me to endorse the process. I can't do that. No normal person could do that. Nobody in the real world thinks this is how it should work. And I know what you're going to say. I can see you reaching for the microphone. You're going to say, Democrats did it worse. And you're right. You're absolutely right. About that historical fact, you're right. But in carrying on this legacy, you're wrong. And there you have it. This is one of the reasons that I love Senator Jackson so much, is that he's able to admit that when the Democratic Party had control of the General Assembly, we did the exact same thing. And it was not okay then, and it's not okay now. And the fact that he was calling for an end of the system, for both sides to come together, to unite, to make something that makes sense, to do the common sense thing, to fix a broken situation, I think is just incredibly admirable. What, what do you think about that, Lisa? Um, <clears throat> I don't think he has much luck with working with the, uh, with the Republicans. Um, you know, like, like you said in, in the other clip and everything, uh, well, like you said before, we listened to the, the second clip, um, has been against Obama uh, on every turn. So, um, I don't think he has very much, um, uh, not going to have very much luck appealing to these people's um, conscience on on cooperating. Unfortunately, yeah, I, you know it's it's as the as the famous quote goes: "Absolute power corrupts absolutely," and yeah. it's it's very difficult to wrangle that power back and to convince people that it's time to take a common sense solution. Um, now, Janet, of course. Um, I know that that I have seen you many, many times rail against the gridlock that's happened and the fact that Obama has managed to surmount that on on multiple occasions on a national level. So just looking at this here locally in in North Carolina, um, the fact that they were at least able to get some concessions done on the budget as time went on, does, does that give you a little bit of hope? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the one thing that it says is never give up. Just keep, just put your head down and keep going because that's how the Republicans win a lot of times is they just put their head down and go. We stand around and start like, oh, wait, it's raining over here. How about we meet over there? No, no. All right. You all go over there. We'll all walk this way. You walk that way. And, you know, we'll meet around over back, you know. We need to just combine and just keep on going. Keep on keeping up. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The only way to make a difference is to vote and vote often. So I, I really think, you know, you have to keep marching. You can't give up. You cannot have that defeatist attitude. I don't think I could have put that any better myself, Janet. Thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, it's a little early, but we are going to go ahead and head to our first break because I do have some more on Senator Jackson. Uh, he recently went on to Facebook again, uh, but this time what he did was something truly, truly admirable. Um, we will try to get you the link to his Facebook page in the chat here momentarily. 
but I hope that you enjoy this break. Uh, on this break, you will be listening to the dulcet tones of Jeff Farias with his song, Tunnel Road. We will be right back with you shortly here on Southern Progressive Revival. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. And we know Democrats support the working men and women of this country, so we understand hard work. So let's talk a little bit about ideas and how we reclaim ideas that we know win in red states. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. Inside Indie Media Weekly with Kim Williams, right after Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick, Tuesday nights at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, where you'll find conversations with Indie Media Weekly show hosts, contributors, and listeners. Get the latest station news and hear new artists featured on Indie Media Weekly. Again, listen to Inside Indie Media Weekly with Kim Williams, Tuesdays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on IndieMediaWeekly.com. 
Come walk with me, Michael S. Sharball, through the broken doorway, where you will discover the freshest in pop, rock, psychedelic, ambient, and experimental musics. 11 a.m. Saturdays and Wednesdays, and only on IndieMediaWeekly.com. into Southern Progressive Revival. And knowing the world as I do, I can tell you without any equivocation that the number one abuse of human rights on earth is strangely not addressed quite often is the abuse of women and girls. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everyone, welcome back to Southern Progressive Revival at 7.30. In case you missed it when we were going out to break, that was Jeff Farias with his song Tunnel Road. Uh, If you liked it, please let us know, because we have a plethora of music that, thanks to Kenny, I have gotten a hold of to play during breaks. So if you are interested in hearing more of that, or if you would like to hear something else, please let us know. Uh, But without any further ado, I would like to welcome back our co-hosts. This time we will start with Lisa. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much, Lisa. And before we allow Janet to say her hellos as we return, I would like to give her a little bit of fanfare. So, everybody, here is the world premiere of Janet's Jingle. Janet became a star, literally overnight. She had not gone looking for fame. Fame had found her. I know that I cannot put up with a whole weekend of your archaic views. You don't want to make me mad now, do you? It is never too late to run away. Janet Lee on Southern Progressive Revival. Well, I am a modern woman. I'm more afraid of her than I am of you. All right, Janet. (laughs) I just love that. (laughs) Hi, everybody. (laughs) <laughs> yes, and it, I have to say, it was a lot of fun to make that. Uh, of course, Janet is a a warrior. She has a very strong voice, and I really wanted to reflect that in in her jingle. And I, I really hope that I that I did so, and I hope that you all enjoyed it. Um, but getting back to Senator Jeff Jackson from North Carolina, uh, who was a North Carolina state senator. Um, we gave you a little sousant of uh, what he has done in the past, what makes him such a great guy. But what he has recently done of interest is that he took to Facebook again. Uh, one of the issues with the budget, um, as it stood for a while, um, when school started here in North Carolina, the budget was not passed. That meant that teachers' assistants were not getting paid. There was no money there was nothing there for anyone and that was really a painful experience uh certainly for parents uh absolutely for the children um but despite that there were still many teachers assistants that were on the job um they went in every day even though they were not getting a paycheck because they're passionate about what they do and i know that janet can appreciate that as a former educator um, and out of curiosity, Janet, have you have you ever been through a situation like that or known anybody that has? No, but we had – I have worked at a really small school district for years, 25, pretty close. And 
um, or top for 25. There were years we didn't get raises. We were that close. And there was years that the state did not get their money. Mm. And uh, so the state was not paying us. However, I can't imagine a teacher willing to go on strike unless they absolutely have to to go feed their kids. And I think that would be one of the hardest things in the world to do is strike. But I can understand them doing that. I can understand them getting to that point. But the, you know, and it's almost that way in a lot of schools right now, and I don't want to get sidetracked, but um, a lot of schools where teachers are letting, you know, having to pay for supplies and not getting raises or making do with a $500 raise and then turn around and come back to school and find out there's brand new drapes for the gymnasium or they voted to put in a gym and the teachers still aren't getting anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. I get yeah. it. That's very disheartening. It really is. And my question is, is um, you know, we started the lottery here in, in North Carolina and <laughs> uh, just wondering where all that money goes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's in somebody's pocket. Oh, it's yeah. not education, I can promise. No. Yep, it has definitely not gone to where they promised, and that that was the promise that was made when it went on the ballot. It has not been seen through, and I that that's very disappointing. I think for every North Carolinian, um, I'm sure that this this isn't a problem that's just happened in North Carolina, but uh, yeah, yeah. Any anytime you see money that's promised to go towards your kids that doesn't get there is incredibly incredibly disappointing, yeah. but. Um, Senator Jeff Jackson, being the kind individual that he is, he posted on Facebook again um, about what was going on with the budget, uh, his disappointment at the fact that they were unable to get a budget passed before school started, and a teacher's assistant in Mecklenburg County uh, commented on his post and asked if he would be willing to come in for a day and be a teacher's assistant. And true to form, Jeff Jackson actually did take the time to do that. Um, he put all of his posts with hashtag one day TA. That's the number one. And he followed her all day. Uh, he refused to sit. Um, whenever she stood, he followed uh, what the kids ate. He ate. Um, every, every single thing that she did that day, she followed him and he got firsthand experience of how difficult it is to be an educator. And I just want to say that seeing somebody do that, seeing somebody that's fighting on the inside, going out and experiencing what it's like for these TAs is truly, truly admirable. So I, I think that everybody here from Southern Progressive Revival would like to give Senator Jackson a round of applause. <laughs> I will you eventually need to let us know when we're going to be doing a manual thing here. Okay. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was on it, Jonathan. I was on it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Lisa. Um, but yeah, she, um, oh gosh, it's, it's just, it's amazing. Um, I, I will eventually get an applause drop. I hadn't even thought of that, but yeah, that, that would be a good thing to have, huh? Um, so, uh, we're going to try to fit in this story here really quick. Um, a lot of you 
of, well, I'm certain that all of you have heard about Kim Davis in some form or fashion. Um, of course, Kim Davis is the Kentucky clerk who refused to issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples. Now, the majority of the shows have looked at this from a negative angle, and there are a lot of negatives. I mean, this is a very hateful, bigoted woman, and her interpretation of scripture is terrible. It, it absolutely falls in line with fundamentalist ideals. Um, those are not true Christian ideals. I, I know that Lisa and I both as Christians agree on that. And Lisa will have some more to say on that in just a moment. Yeah. But the positive of this is really, this is, I think, a victory for Kentucky. The fact that the courts in Kentucky that the federal courts came together and told her that this was not okay, that someone that so many people think represents the Southern psyche, um, who does not, I, I can assure you, I mean, there there are certainly homophobes here, but it's not all of us, um, was held accountable for her actions. She did not do her job. This is the way that she should have been treated, in my opinion. And uh, without any further ado, I will hand it over to Lisa, who has her own opinions to share about Kim Davis and uh, her own rebukes against her very twisted fundamentalist arguments. Um, you know, Kim's argument, um, several times I've heard her say, um, you know, uh, there is no law that requires her to grant a marriage license to people of the same sex. Um, she argues that the Supreme Court uh, cannot and did not make a law. They only made a ruling on the law and that Congress makes the laws. But apparently Miss Davis doesn't understand how the Supreme Court works. Um, when the Supreme Court interprets the Constitution, the Supreme Court's words become law. Um, the argument about the su Supreme Court is irrelevant here. And... Um, of course, Miss Davis has vowed not to resign and is expected to remain in the in you know the detention center um, at least throughout uh, this holiday weekend. But um, you know, I I've never heard um, anyone preach about or talk about um, what I'm getting ready to to share with you. Um, I'm hoping that this will be a win for um, also for the the people on the other side of the argument. Um, that are for the gays and lesbians, um, I'm hoping that it will send people, you know, to uh, research for their own, uh, for their for themselves, and to search the scripture and interpret it for themselves. Um, so many of my Christian uh, brothers and sisters, they often point to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah in the Bible to justify uh, their views on homosexuality. And, um, of course, if they agree on nothing else, um, the Roman Catholics, the evangelicals, um, the fundamentalists believe that homosexuality caused God to destroy Sodom. Um, yet, when we uh, go to the scripture, which, clear, which clearly states that homosexuality was the sin of Sodom, they are unable to do so because the Bible never says what they assume it says on the gay issue. Um, actually, um, God destroyed uh, Sodom and Gomorrah because of inhospitality or lack of hospitality. Um, that was the reason for the destruction of Sodom. And, and um, you know, if, if we, we have to accept what the Bible says uh, in context, um, 
and not just pull out um, certain things out of the Bible and use it at will um, to beat people over the head with it. Um, we've used the Bible as a weapon. Um, <clears throat> but, um, and we also have to remember, um, you know, the Eastern culture um, that the Bible, um, uh, we're not familiar with that, that culture. Um, so a lot of people don't realize that it was the culture that they were in. Um, you know, people were out in the desert all the time and they were traveling and they were expected to uh, entertain and take people into their homes, um, you know, to um, care for them as they were traveling through the desert. And then um, when those people that cared for them, when they're traveling, they would also um, uh, have the same thing in return. Um, so, you know, that's that's something that we don't do now in our culture. So, um, let's see. Let me get my thoughts together here. Um, so, Lot was entertaining and caring for these angel visitors. Um, and he was seeing to their needs. And, um, let's see. And the men in... Uh, the city uh, gathered around outside the doors of Lot and, and wanted to, um, they wanted to know the men inside. And that a lot of people will point to this, this very thing and say, um, you know, they were homosexuals. When actually, um, if you think about it, the whole entire town of men and boys would have had to been, they would have had to have been homosexual, which is highly unlikely. And Lot offers up his his daughters, uh, his virgin daughters, um, to appease them. And um, I'm pretty sure that Lot would have known that if they were homosexuals, that they wouldn't been attracted to uh, to these women. Um, so so that would have would have you know they wouldn't have been attracted to them. So that wouldn't have helped. <laughs> so. Um, and Jonathan, you, you know a lot about this as well. You've studied it. So if you want to hop in somewhere and help me explain this, um, I am a little bit nervous on here, and I do apologize. Hopefully I will um, get the bugs wrote out and be a little better as time progresses, but um, just bear with me. Um, oh, no, and- Lisa, you, <laughs> you are doing an absolutely fabulous job. Don't you worry. Um I'm sure that everybody that is listening right now and that is in the chat completely agrees. Um, but, but yeah, I actually, Lisa and I were talking about this earlier. Um, when I went to college, um, I was a very lapsed Christian um, because, I mean, let's face it, you, you can't explain religion from a common sense perspective. When, when you look at the stories, when you, when you think about the idea of an omnipotent being that created everything. Um, there's no way to back that up with scientific fact. It's, no. it's, it's just impossible. Um, so religion is something that you choose. It's something that you choose to have faith in. Um, but when All I right, went to college, Kenny, yes, right, Kenny has a question. Does the sure. Bible even mention whether or not the angels lot was protecting were male? Yeah, uh, they, they were male. Yes. All actually and, all angels are male. And they um, they used um, it was a brutal rape is what um, 
is, is what ha or what was going to happen. Um, and they, they did that to strangers um, as they passed through the town to deter them from, from you know, coming into their town. Uh, they used basically their penis as a weapon. So, um, I'm sorry, Jonathan, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're perfectly fine. I'm, I'm glad that... Uh that Janet is feeding in questions from the chat. Um, I, I want to apologize to those of you in the chat. I'm, I'm not quite at the point where I'm able to toggle between hosting and, and chatting yet. So that's why I am not there personally. But uh, Janet is more than welcome to interject anytime and, and present any questions that any of you have. Um, but uh, j just to finish my point real quick, um, one of the things that, that had always bothered me about Christianity um, and in particular, the New Testament was uh, the fact that at the time I, I did think, honestly, that the New Testament taught against homosexuality because of one particular scripture. Uh, but thankfully, I had a wonderful, wonderful professor, um, Dr. Cole, who received her um, doctorate in uh, religious studies from Duke University. Go Duke! And um, <laughs> she explained to me, um, because she, she speaks both Aramaic and ancient Greek, that the word that's used that, that has been bastardized now to, to say gay or homosexual in some translations was pedraste, which literally means a man that have sex with a small boy. Um, that, that passage in the New Testament... Um, uh, Lisa's already defended the old, I'm going for the new now, um, has absolutely nothing to do with gay relationships. Uh, the Bible does condemn pedophilia in that verse. Uh, it, it condemns it quite quite harshly. But nowhere in the New Testament is, is there a place where you can find, or the old, an actual rebuke of homosexuality. So these are uneducated people that are using the scripture to their advantage it's it's unfortunate and it's hurtful um it it really makes we christians that try to show love and compassion um feel terrible because we understand why you're angry we absolutely get it 100 percent um but you know and Hopefully. jonathan I, I just want to interject um before you move on a little bit from from that uh that I actually, in my research, I found that uh, the word homosexuality was not even in the Bible until around 1946. Um, so um, a lot of the words that are being translated, there wasn't even a word um, for it. Right. Um, and to try to translate it from one, you know, one language to our language, uh, sometimes we don't have words that are I guess colorful enough or whatever to describe what they were actually talking about. But, um, you know, I've struggled with this, um, many times because, um, when I think about, um, the LBGT community, I have nothing but love for them. And I just, um, I really struggle with the idea that God created these people and are going to damn them to hell. Um, and, and but but they made them but he made them this way um, he created them this way and I just really struggle with that and I ask God all the time I'm like you know what is the deal here <laughs> <laughs> I mean I can't believe that he would do that 
Um, so, you know, I'm hoping that if you're listening out there, um, don't take our word for it. Please uh, research it. I've never heard a pastor or anybody on TV or anyone um, preach this um, uh, or talk about it. Uh, you know, and you know, and God was angry uh, with the people of Sodom and Gomorrah not because of homosexuality. Um, he was angry with them because they're of their inhospitality, inhosp- um, you know, toward the visitors. And that was a very sacred thing uh, in that culture. Um, and I urge you to research it for yourself. Absolutely. And thank you so much, Lisa, for that introspective. I, I really hope that you all found that to be interesting. I certainly did. Um, and I'd actually like to give uh, Janet uh, the opportunity to chime in if she'd like to. I, I know that she has um, went got grown away from the church, which I can completely understand. Um, but but after hearing that, and of course hearing all of these these twisted arguments and and using religion as a basis for uh, not following the law, which should not be allowed. I mean, even if the Bible did explicitly say, you know, hey, gays are evil, you're going to hell, goodbye. Um, it it still should not be that way. The Constitution is still the number one authority in this nation. We do not have an established religion. We are, were not founded as a Christian nation, despite what so many people will tell you. Um, right. So do, do you have anything to add, Janet? Yeah, I hope that heifer rots in prison. I mean, <laughs> I don't really care. She's That is just, you know, what are we going to do now? Everybody is just supposed to... Um, say i this is my religious beliefs the separation has got to be a separation of church and state i mean that is just all there is to it so as far as i'm concerned she can just stay there and stay there and i hear the federal courts are looking at charging her or going after her that will give her them um her felony and then they don't have to wait till january when the legislature comes back so Adios. She's, she's basically ruining her life and her career. Um, well, and think about all those people that had their wedding plans already ready. And then all of a sudden they get to the courthouse. Well, I'm mad. I'm not going to give out uh, marriage licenses to anybody. Right. So and there, nanner, nanner. <laughs> she needs to put her personal uh, beliefs and feelings aside and just do her job. She needs um, to put her big girl panties on and deal with right. it. Buttercups, buttercup. Come on. (laughs) Amen. I can. (laughs) Oh my gosh! But yeah, she uh, she's just an 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 incredibly hateful woman. But but I I have to say, all discussion aside, I know this seems like a negative story, um, and in a lot of ways it is. But I really see this as a victory for Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky has really managed to free themselves of somebody in elected office that is doing this. Uh, Both the local and federal government has said that this is not okay. They have taken her down. This is the progress we need. Um, It took an act of the National Guard in Alabama to get the segregation rolling. Um, I'm glad that it did not have to get to this point. I hope that it doesn't get any worse. 
Um, but but the fact that we were able to do this with a simple arrest, I, I think, is really, truly a victory. So thank you, Kentucky. Uh, if any of you are listening from Kentucky, we are behind you 100%. Um, we love you guys. We know that not everybody in Kentucky is like she is. And, uh, this, this is truly a victory. So yeah. this is great, great news. Yeah. All right. So, uh, as it stands right now, um, at the top of the hour, we are going to have our very first damn Yankee on the program, which is IMW's own Kenny pick from Turn Up the Night. Of course, I believe all of you are familiar with him and his wonderful voice, which I wish I could still, at least for one night. Um, (laughs) Oh, Kenny. Yes, indeed. Um, And then at uh, 9 o'clock, we are going to have on Kim Williams uh, for a whole hour, and we cannot wait to have her on for that. She has some very exciting things to discuss with us, um, including a wonderful documentary. Um... So as for right now, we are going to once again head to break very, very early. Um, what you are going to be hearing on this break is the Hightower Lowdown, which is going to become a regular of this program. Uh, Jim Hightower, if you're not aware, is a uh, populist radio show host in the state of Texas. Um, and every single day he gives just a short two-minute um, re- report on something that's on his mind. Uh, I found this one to be incredibly hilarious. I hope that you enjoy it as much as I do once he uh, gets there to the end. But, uh, yep, hold on to your seats. We are going to break, and we will be back here. Yes, ma'am. I don't know if you noticed. Adam's here. Oh, Adam's here. Excellent. All right. Well, we will get Adam on for for the 8 o'clock hour as well. So we will have Kenny and Adam on once we come back from break. So without any further ado, here is the Hightower Lowdown. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. People you see every day in the grocery stores, we obey the laws, we pay our taxes, we fly our flags on holidays. Right along trying to make it better for ourselves and our children. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. It might seem crazy. But I support the GOP's national platform. Hear why today on Hightower Radio. Well, I did not expect this. The National Republican Party has published an official policy document showing that the GOP really might be more than a gaggle of serve-the-rich plutocrats and wacky Trump right-wingers. The party was consuming itself in the know-nothingism of its presidential pretenders and the nothingism of its Congress critters, out comes a sign of sanity. In this 18-page manifesto, the party proclaims that, quote, our government was created by the people for all the people, and it must serve no less a purpose. All the people. Forget pontifications by Wall Street billionaires dividing America into virtuous creators, like themselves, and worthless moochers, like you and me. This document abounds with commitments to the common good. Quote, America does not prosper, it proudly proclaims on page 3, unless all Americans prosper. Wow, that's downright democratic. And how's this for a complete turnaround? Labor is the United States. The men and women who, with their minds, their hearts, and hands, create the wealth that is shared in this country, they are America. Holy Koch brothers share the wealth? Yes, and how about this? 
The protection of the right of workers to organize into unions and to bargain collectively is the firm and permanent policy of the Republican Party. Eat your heart out, Scott Walker, and you other labor-bashing GOP governors. The document also supports our public postal service, the United Nations, equal rights for women, expanding our national parks, vigorous enforcement of antitrust laws, and raising the minimum wage. New enlightenment in the grand old party. This is Jim Hightower saying, can all this be true? Believe it or not, yes it is, except it's not new. This document is the Republican Party platform of 1956. Hightower's commentaries are brought to you by the Hightower Lowdown, the monthly newsletter with Hightower's populist take on what the powers that be are up to. Find out more at HightowerLowdown.org. Hey, Joe, what are you doing? Repairing the GOP clown car. What's wrong with it? Well, you know your show. You mean the Tim Cormall show right here on IndieMediaWeekly.com? Yes. Where each week a panel of guests joins us for a progressive roundtable discussion about politics, news, and other fun topics? Yes. And you know how we check out which members of the GOP climbed into the clown car each week? Yes. Well, there's been so many GOP clowns lately, they broke the springs. Oh, no, really? (laughs) Yes. But don't worry. With the GOP presidential primary season coming up, the clown car will now have new heavy-duty springs to carry the load. So not only will our show be way better than those Sunday cable shows, we'll also have our very own clown car. Right. Now, close that garage door, Tim, before the clowns get in. Join us in our panel of guests every week right here on Indie Media Weekly. Oh, and don't forget, we have clowns. Dang it, I think a few slipped through. Tune in for the Tim Coromall Show on Indie Media Weekly Radio, Mondays and Wednesdays at 8.30 a.m. Eastern, or in prime time on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly Radio at IndieMediaWeekly.com. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. We have been the instrument of change in the past. We know what needs to be done. We know how to do it. We know that we can impact policies which affect education, human rights, civil rights, economic and social opportunity. Southern Progressive Revival at Indy Media Weekly Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to Hour 2 of Southern Progressive Revival. Everyone, we made it! (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, So, uh, since we are back, uh, I would like to uh, once again uh, introduce Lisa Chapel out of Greensboro, North Carolina. Thank you, Jonathan. Good evening, everybody. Thank you so much. And, of course, we have Janet Lee from the Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Uh, and Adam. <laughs> they are called you... a mic. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Adam, are you there, sir? Uh, yes, I am. Okay. Well, Adam, I cannot let you get away from your fate. So... For everyone, we are going to expose Adam for what he truly is before we allow him to introduce himself. Everyone, enjoy the following audio as much as Kenny and I enjoyed making it. Adam Hebert, a true Southerner. You want a piece of this? He's a lunatic, I'm telling you. Because you are absolutely, unconditionally, positively the most stubborn person I've ever known in my life! Adam Hebert, a Southern denialist. Forget about it, please. Of course, I'm just visiting here. He's crazy. There's no telling what he might do. Adam Hebert from wherever. 
on Southern Progressive Revival. <laughs> you bastards. I can put up with being called crazy and stubborn, but I draw the line at Southerner, damn it. <laughs> of course, Adam is a resident, a longtime resident of the town of Enterprise, Alabama, but we will let you make your own judgment call on whether he is a, a Southerner or not. Um, <laughs> thank you for joining us uh, for the yeah. show, Adam. Well, I'm glad to be here. Awesome. How, how, you live in Alabama, but you don't want to be called a Southerner, huh? <laughs> no, I'm, because I'm from Illinois. I'm from a civilized part of the country. Illinois. Okay. Uh, that, Illinois. Hey. That was. <laughs> hey, we will I'm have. Sorry, that was. Yeah, we will have none of that on this program. Um, <laughs> Breaking but, news: Adam hey, is now. Adam is now a conservative. Indeed. Hey, hey, hey! At least <laughs> I'm not from that. At least I'm not from Scott Walker Stan. <laughs> hey, this is very, very true. <laughs> All right, so we are going to go ahead and uh, introduce our damn Yankee Kenny here in just a moment. Uh, let me go ahead and cue up the audio for that, and I hope that you all enjoy it. Uh, would like to thank Kim Williams for creating this for us. Where do you come from? Damn Yankee. Of course, I'm just visiting here. Why don't you just tell me your side of the story? Your <laughs> Yankee friend is waiting for you in the bar. Oh. All right, and that is the introduction to our Damn Yankee segment. Tonight we have Turn Up the Night's own Kenny Pick, uh, a man of many accomplishments. I could go on all night about them. Uh, he has been a instrumental force in getting this show off the ground, uh, but uh, rather than take up his entire time uh, giving him accolades and praise, although he duly deserves them, I will let him take the floor. So take it away, Kenny. No, no, more accolades and praise. Go on, go on. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> never heard, you, never heard uh, of the guy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, great job, Kim, for the uh, damn Yankee jingle. I, I really enjoy that. That's, that's quite fun. So, yeah, thanks for having me on. Congrats on the brand new show. And it's been my pleasure to help. And hello to Adam, Janet, and Lisa. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Yes. Thank you so much. Very, thank you very, very much for being on the program. Um, and, of course, Kenny... Uh, is technically southern adjacent. He lives in the state of Ohio, uh, mm -hmm. not very far away from the state of Kentucky. Yeah, and uh, so my family is from Kentucky. So uh, uh, some from Lynchburg, some from ooh, where uh, a parts unknown to like really tiny towns like Appleton. <laughs> you know, so uh, spread spread throughout. And I have a lot of family in Virginia as well. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, since, since you have family in the South, um, I mean, of course, that has given you a bit of a window into Southern politics other than what you cover over at uh, Turn Up the Night. Mm -hmm. um, but are, are there any particular stories this week that have, have uh, caught your attention or, or any Southern-specific issues you've heard your family speak about that you'd like to discuss? Well, hmm, there seems to be one name that keeps popping up in the news. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Her name is Kim Davis. That that's pretty much the biggest Southern news I've I've uh, been uh, keeping up with. Uh, and you guys obviously have been covering that. And we covered it a lot on Mike Check Radio and Turn Up the Night. And uh, it, it's just a uh, it is just a shame. And I really appreciate Lisa bringing up the the idea of, of of fundamentalists wanting to cherry pick through the Bible. And that's the thing too is I went to Christian schools uh, as a, as a kid. 
And, you know, I, I we, you know, I never got a lesson in cherry picking, Lisa, you know, well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, this is, seems to be, uh, you know that that idea is is pretty much just a a political tool right i mean this is not you know when when you go to churches where uh, people seem truly happy to be in attendance and and are using it to better themselves and the world around them uh the last thing in their mind is to you know take a one you know phrase out of the bible and twist it around and use it as a wedge to uh you know to to be divisive yeah, I think that that is uh, absolutely true, and uh, it, it it's really painful uh, for those of us Christians who who really do want to do good, who who have have chosen to be Christians, be because you know not not because we think that we're better than anyone else, not that we think that our our faith is the superior one, but because it's it's just what we choose to believe in. Um, oh, I'm better than the fundies. So, oh yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. I I will take that as a very high compliment. I don't even deign to call uh, these uh, these conservative whack jobs Christians at all because they they don't deserve it. Because the Christians that I know do not behave like they do, so they're they're not worthy of the title, in my opinion. Absolutely, I don't think that they are either. Um, now, Lisa, of course, um, as she as was stated earlier, used to be a uh, fundamentalist. Um, she, <laughs> like I said last night, the indoctrination worked. Yes, yes, it did. <laughs> we brought her to the left, and we are keeping her. So, <laughs> but yep, one uh, of us, one of us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, yeah that that's um, just just a wonderful thing. Is it's always good to have somebody that knows your enemy. So. We are very, very happy to have Lisa on, and and you as well for your your kind words about true Christians and your willing to go out and fight as you so often do against fundamentalists and they are cherry picking. Yeah, and you you often hear a lot of fundamentalists say, you know, you love uh, the person but you hate the sin, but um, the fundamentalists that I've come in contact with, they're not they're not hating the sin, um, they're actually hating the people. And, um, you know, the group of people that they're against and beating them over the head with these, with the Bible verses, um, uh, they're not feeling any love or, you know, I mean, I don't blame them. I wouldn't want to step foot in a, in a church um, or have anything to do with God um, if I was getting, uh, you know, the what, what my Christians and bro- brothers and sisters are doing to them uh, with the Bible. Um there is no love uh, going out to them. I would call them your stepbrothers and sisters. Yeah, they are my stepbrothers and sisters. <laughs> yep. Wicked stepbrothers <laughs> and sisters. wants <laughs> too. Yes, indeedy. Um, and, uh, of course, Adam, uh, you haven't had much of a chance to talk yet, but, um, Adam, you, of course, are uh, the show. You are the host of the show that we birthed from, Mike Check Radio. Um, and you got your start, um, with Kenny and, uh, helping out with Mm -hmm. Turn Up the Night from which Mike Check Radio came. Uh, so, you know, all sorts of births going on, all sorts of new things here on Indie Media Weekly. Um, don't be a grandpa again. Don't do it. (laughs) I promise that, that I will refer, I I will refer to. son. (laughs) (laughs) Shit, 
I, I will refer to Turn Up the Night as the Grandpa. How's that? The Elder Statesman Show, please. Okay, the Elder Statesman <laughs> Show. <laughs> but uh, but uh, the, Gilgame- the Gilgamesh of our network. Okay, yes, there indeed. <laughs> but uh, Adam, from since- which all superhero stories came from. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, yes. But of course, but uh, but Adam, since, since you've had such a um, close relationship with Kenny, and both of you have talked about uh, Southern issues for so long, I uh, wondered if, if you had any any things to to say about Kenny or, or any questions to ask him yourself. Well, I, I, I mean, look, I've known the guy for about four almost five years. Uh, he's the nicest guy you could ever meet. I know. I've met him. And the first thing he did when we met at, uh, what was it, the Star of Siam, I try to shake his hand. He just pulls me to a bear hug. I, I mean, that tells you everything you need to know about him. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a huggy guy. Yeah, we need more huggy guys, I tell you. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a hug goes a long way. It certainly yes, does. Yes, indeed. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, so I have to ask you, Kenny. Have you seen anything in the news about what Senator Tom Cotton down in Oklahoma has been doing? Ooh, Cotton again, huh? Yes, sir. Tehran Tom. Tehran Tom. Damn you. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think I was the first person to call him Tehran Tom, but I'm not sure if I did or not. Um, no, what, what's, what's, uh, what kind of monkey shines is he up to now? Uh, well, uh, Lisa has the lowdown on what Mr. Uh, <laughs> I deign to call him Senator or Mr., but I guess in respect of the office, I'll call him Senator Cotton. Uh, Lisa has a lowdown on, on what Senator Cotton has been up to. Well, uh, Senator, Senator Cotton has stated that he does not consider President Obama his president. And um, he and other GOP legislators um, recently traveled to Israel and uh, with the intention of undermining the U.S. Uh, foreign policy in the Middle East. Um Tom Cotton himself organized 46 of his Senate Republican colleagues, asking them each to write a letter to the Iranian officials, uh, which urged them not to trust the United States uh, during sensitive negotiations. Um, So he is quite traitorous, Tom Cotton. Yeah, I I would say, you know, so this the most recent development then is him saying that President Obama, he doesn't consider him his president. That's correct. He also said when he went, he even went further than that. He said that he was going to follow Netanyahu's lead from here on in, that Obama wasn't his president. I think he should renounce his citizenship and become a citizen of Israel then. Yes, I do too. (laughs) I most certainly do. That was uh, September 1st, and it's in Politico, or Politicus. What would uh, what would uh, uh, Adam? What would Randy Rhodes say to him? Uh, what would he say? <laughs> on his way out, on his way out of the country. Oh, 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 oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Seventeen after. <laughs> 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 but yeah, Look, just, I mean the bottom. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead, please. The bottom line is that letter was at best. At best, a violation of Logan Act. At worst, it's sedition. And the fact of the matter is, 
you know, sedition, treason, that gets you life in prison. We don't execute for it anymore. But that does get you life in prison. This, I mean, you know, I, I have to give Obama, President Obama props for not, you know, getting angry about that. Because if it were me, if I were in President Obama's place, uh, Tehran Tom's would be begging to be in jail. Let's put it that way. He would be going to jail or he'd be going to the emergency room. Yes, indeed. And of course, uh, you being the man with uh, breathtaking anger management issues, I'm sure that you would be able to handle Senator Cotton in a, a very unique way. <laughs> it's not just that, though. I mean, I'm an army brat. And, and what he did put our fighting men and women in danger. And they exactly. have the nerve to say they care about the troops. They don't care about the troops. They just want to play. You know, they want to send someone else to die for their stupid cause. Well, but you know why he's doing it. Another reason that he's doing it, because he got a million dollars from Crystal's emergency fund to support Israel. Ah. Yeah. And that was, uh, yeah, and liberal, whatever. It's an Israeli thingy. He got out at uh, September 1st for that one. Interesting. Yeah. You know, uh, it, and, you know, this is basically, you know, this is so gross that they're playing like end times politics. You know, that, you know, this is, I mean, we've talked about this before. This is the really creepy side of, of conservatives and fundamentalists that, you know, they, they're, they basically, you know, and Tom Cotton identifies as a Christian, I do believe. And he also served in the military. So, you know, for, for, all of this just crazy talk he's doing, you know, he's showing absolute disrespect to the military. And, you know, again, with the kind of apocalyptic end times talk, he's kind of being extremely disrespectful to Jewish people because we all know what happens during the second coming of Christ. Yes. And it's not good all for the... Israel. No, it's not. It is not you at know, all. And, and... You know, I mean, Benjamin Netanyahu doesn't even do selfish right, because if he were being selfish and just looking out for Israel, he'd realize the Republicans don't care about Israel. They only want Israel to exist so everyone can die horribly. You know, it's just like, you know, it's like, you know, we mentioned Kim Davis earlier. Well, Kim Davis is too stupid to realize she's just a tool. She's just she's just a useful idiot. The, the Liberty, you know, whatever they call the Liberty Council, whatever dug up, you know, they don't realize they're being played like a fiddle. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's a tool, all right. Yeah. And she'll be abandoned as soon as they're finished with her as well. Yeah. I mean, as soon as the fundraising from her dries up, she, I mean, they'll leave her to rot in jail. Mm hmm. I don't know. They might put her on a VP ticket. Oh, God. <laughs> Strange. <laughs> Stranger things have happened, don't you know? Also, to litigation. Yes, she, she's a little Palin-esque. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to tell you. Um, gosh, that that is a that is a conflict to think over. Who would be more qualified between Palin and Davis to be vice president? That is a hard one. Um, Charlie, hmm. what does a vice president do? <laughs> <laughs> what? What exactly? I'm gonna is go. I'm gonna go. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm gonna go. Th I'm gonna go third party and vote for Doctor Clayton Forrester. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think it's 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 really 
I know that a lot of elections have been described as uh, a choice between the lesser of two evils. Uh, between those two people, um, yeah, I think that they're pretty too far gone to even consider which one would be more qualified. <laughs> but anyway, we uh, sort of got off on a tangent there talking about Palin, who is not a Southerner, and I think that we can all agree that we are very thankful for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't worry. I'm just glad. We'll be talking about her on Tuesday on Turn Up Tonight. Okay, great. It is always great to hear what Palin has to say uh, with all that wit and wisdom that she brings to the conversation. Let me tell you what. <laughs> all right. But um, so we, we've sort of uh, crossed the streams here with you being on here as our damn Yankee um, and have uh, hey. <laughs> sort of mixed our gander at the soapbox segment in. Uh, which is where we look at uh, politicians from here, ones that are visiting, campaigns that are going on, they can be good or bad. Uh, this week, unfortunately, we had a lot more bad than good. Um, but uh, I know that Janet has a whole lot to say about her senator, Roy Blunt. Um, I know that she probably doesn't like to call him her senator. Um, but uh, she will, of course, get her, her due chance to to discuss that, but uh, I was wondering if you had any particular opinions on Senator Blunt, Kenny? Um, I, I, I think I'd like uh, you guys to maybe discuss a little bit more, fill me in a, uh, somewhat. Okay, well, Janet, if you are ready, I will turn over that story to you then. Um, <clears throat> Roy Blunt is one of the two people that represent Missouri that I detest the most. He is in big, big trouble with the voters. Whoops, this is supposed to be just election news. I'm sorry. I will save he's an asshole till later. All right, <laughs> Roy Blunt is in big trouble with our voters. <laughs> sorry, sorry. He is one of the least popular senators in the country. He's got 30% of the voters approving of the job that he's doing. He's becoming in increasingly unpopular over the course of his term in Senate. He's unpopular with the independents, 24 to 52, Democrats, 17 to 62. But his numbers that are really soft, he's only at a 46 approval rating with Republican voters. And those numbers make you really susceptible um, in a challenge. He is leading Democratic challenger Jason Kander, 40 to 35 at the moment. Um, but that's just 25% of the voters that are undecided. And so, you know, he's going to have a long haul. But part of it, what they found out was 35% don't know that much about him and don't really have an informed decision. So we do have a possible game changer here. And then um, they also feel like the GOP... TV campaign um, <clears throat> election, they're investing a whole bunch of money to try to get rid of him. You know, get out the vote, because I always say GOP TV. This is GOTV. <laughs> um, so this is according to the PPP poll. Um, and another thing that I wanted to put in, this was from the Kentuckian, that Senator Blunt is so worried about his long-standing ties to Washington since he's moved in himself and his family. 
he's been, they're saying, because I said, why do people besides me, you know, what do people outside of the area think of him? Um, and what they're saying, a lot of them is, the Republicans, they're worried about his long-standing ties with Washington. He's been caught multiple times doing special favors for lobbyists. He even has a lobby war room in his official office to help special interests have an even bigger role in the legislative process. So... <clears throat> Anyway, it looks like he can be beating, beaten, but we have to get people to under, know who Cantor is. He's our Secretary of the State. He's a Democrat. And the people that I've talked to that are going to go ahead and vote for Cantor, when you say, who is he or why are you voting for him, every person to a T has said, because he's not blunt. So, I do think he's got some problems. Yay! Yay! Good for him. <laughs> Yay! I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah, and I, I would say that when the rallying cry behind a candidate is, I'm voting for them because he is not John or not Blunt, that you have truly hit a remarkable low. And and for him to do that in a red state like Missouri, I think is uh, in, incredibly good news for the upcoming election. Well... I- can I also say one other thing? It was when it's kind of like the same thing that happened. Everybody was going back and forth about Ashcroft versus um, Mel Carnahan when he died in the car wreck. People outside of Missouri thought that we were voting for Carnahan because we felt sorry for the the you know the fact that he died, mm-hmm. and actually it was because everybody hated Ashcroft so bad. Oh, he's such a lovable guy, though. Well, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> Sarcasm. I'm sorry, Jen. So when I saw it, I think, I can't remember what show it was, but sh- some show at night, maybe it was, um, I don't know, that Jay Leno. He mm-hmm. was like, oh, maybe, because that was after Ashcroft started doing his thing, you know, covering breasts and stuff. He's like, well, maybe the people from Missouri didn't vote for him because um, they really just didn't like him. They really did want the dead guy. And I remember sitting there watching that going, yes, finally, you people get it. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm starting to come down on blunt. That, you know, maybe people are going to start, you know, outside there seeing that he's just a jerk. And he has an evil elf face. Well, I mean. Uh, you know, Robert Williams, uh, may he rest in peace, did a, a great bit about that. You know, he he was talking about John Ashcroft. And he said, in Missouri, the John, the choices were John Ashcroft and Dead Man. And the people of Missouri, in their infinite wisdom, said, sorry, John, I'm going to have to vote for Dead Man because he scares me less than you do. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's an excellent ex- comedy bit. And it is absolutely so true. Um, uh, we are, are coming close to break time, but um, real quick, uh, Kenny, b- before we let you go, um, I, I just wanted to uh, to ask you if if you had any sort of uh, words of support to to those of our listeners, those in the chat that are are Southern and Democrat, uh, uh, those of us that feel like you know we we are alone a lot of the times. Um, if, if you have a message that you would like to deliver to them. 
Well, sure. Uh, you know, uh, things used to be a lot worse, and people used to be a lot dumber and a lot more ignorant than they are today. Unfortunately, there are still a lot of dumb, ignorant people, not just in the South, but up here, too. You know, we basically in the uh, in Ohio, uh, you know, we might as well be a southern state because we have our major population centers, just like every uh, every big city in the south. We have our Cleveland, our Columbus, our Cincinnati's, our Toledo's. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and that's where rational, reasonable people like to come together and get together. So just stay out of those little towns, and, and it's much nicer. <laughs> um, but you have to, but you have to understand uh, the, you you ever you have to encourage people uh, that are dis- disenchanted with politics that don't think local elections matter. Um, you have to let them know every election matters. You know that's that's the best thing. You know the best <laughs> advice I can give, and you know and and you know and you're definitely not alone because. You know, it's it's the same here as it is there, and uh, uh, in, in the end, good is going to win over evil. And uh, just know that uh, we're fighting the good fight here. Absolutely, and I don't think that I could have put it any better myself. Thank you so much, Kenny. No problem. You guys have a great night, and congrats on the show. Oh, thank you so much, thank and you. it was it was thank a pleasure. You, Kenny. Yes, indeed. It was a pleasure to have you as our very first Damn Yankee. Um, I hope to get you on again in the very near future. Oh, and if I could plug one thing real quick. Um, tonight, Please. on um, uh, after your show at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, the Science Fiction Double Feature will be on. I'm playing two of my favorite old-time radio shows. Uh, we're playing uh, The Dunwich Horror from Suspense, which Adam will approve of. That's an H.P. Lovecraft story. And my favorite yes. episode of... A favorite episode of The Shadow, The Society of the Living Dead. So that's 10.30 Eastern on Indie Media Weekly. And thanks, and you guys have a great night. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you, Kenny. Bye-bye. Bye. Before we go, bye-bye. Uh, bye, Kenny. Before bye. we go, I just want to say that 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 uh, episode he mentioned, The Dunwich Horror, that was an episode that uh, aired, I believe, the version you have is probably the same one I have. It aired on Armed Forces Radio during World War II. Huh. And one of the reasons why that episode is so important to me is uh, my grandfather was a Marine World War II. And for all I know, he could have been abroad listening to that. And so it, that ep- particular episode means a lot to me, not just because of H.P. Lovecraft. Wow. That's really amazing, the power that, that radio has to connect us, even through time. So I, I really think that listening to the sci-fi double feature is very exciting. And... uh I will be certain to plug it again at the top of the hour since Kenny does load that every week and it does deserve the attention and love that it can be given. All right. So without any further ado, we are going to go ahead and head to a short break. Uh, We will be right back and uh, we have some more fun stuff to discuss with you guys. Uh, Don't forget that at 9 p.m. we will have Kim Williams on the program and uh, thank you all so much for listening. We will be right back. into Southern Progressive Revival. Too busy giving tax handouts to large corporations, the Republicans haven't been working for the middle class. And as a result, many families are still struggling to make ends meet. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. 
Be sure to check out Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern right here on Indie Media Weekly. Join me and my magnificent co-hosts, Tom, Deba, Matt, and Pete, for news, opinion, and guaranteed laughs every single show. You can find us at KennyPick.com or by going to IndieMediaWeekly.com and clicking on the tab for Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick. There you'll find our chat and audio feeds. But wait, you're already hearing this, so that's awesome. You know how to listen to Indie Media Weekly. So don't change that dial. Turn up the night with Kenny Pick live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern right here on Indie Media Weekly for those who dare. This is Adam Hebert, a man with breathtaking anger management issues. And I hope that you will listen to my program, Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert, live every Saturday night, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Fuck yeah! Every week on Mike Check Radio, me and my co-hosts, Rob Poole and Kenny Pig, will talk about the week's news with righteous indignation, facts, and a large dose of comedy. Inconceivable! Join us as we try to answer the question of just how many Republican douchebags there are in Washington, D.C. It's over 9,000! <laughs> we'll also crown our assholes of the week during our program. You are the leading asshole in the state. Finally on our show, we'll also talk about the latest in news from video games, comic books, film, science, anime, and manga. All for your entertainment and learning pleasure. Well, that sounds really shallow and stupid. Let's try it. Don't forget, that's Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert, live every Saturday night, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, and only here on Indie Media Weekly Radio. For those who dare. Oh, and Cranker demands that you listen to our program. <laughs> you are crazier than a crap fight in a monkey house. Don't miss Musical Mayhem with Lauren Mayer. Topical comedy songs and commentary from your friendly local humorist, songwriter, and opinionated Jewish mother. You can catch the show right here on Indie Media Weekly on Mondays and Wednesdays at 9.30 a.m., Thursdays at 8 p.m., right after the Tim Cormall Show. You can catch my weekly comedy videos on my YouTube channel, Psycho Supermom, and order CDs through most major retailers as well as my website, laurenmayer.com. So join us for Musical Mayhem, where music, politics, and comedy intersect. So new? You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. One of the issues I don't think we hear enough about and really can't hear enough about is preparing our students and our people, particularly those who have lost jobs, for the jobs of the future. We need to make sure that our education systems are in place. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everyone, welcome back to Southern Progressive Revival. This is your host, Jonathan Matthews. And of course, on that break. Stop for a second. I'm sorry? Jenna? Yes. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay. All right. The the troubles of live radio. Um <laughs> <laughs> I forgot my left my thingy on. Oh no, that's perfectly fine. Don't worry about it. Um but yeah, so uh during the break we of course you heard uh the promo for Adam Hebert's own Mic Check Radio, which uh airs every Saturday night from seven to ten PM Eastern here on Indie Media Weekly. But you also heard the promo for Musical Mayhem with Lauren Mayer, and I am proud to announce 
tonight that Lauren Mayer will be our Southern Hospitality guest next week. Uh, so next Sunday, please tune in to listen to Lauren Mayer. She has become a friend of the show very, very quickly. And even though she is a resident of California, she is a true Southerner at heart. So we really look forward to having a conversation with her. Um, but without any further ado, uh, I bring you your fabulous co-hosts, Janet Lee from Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri. Hello. And of course, we have Lisa Chapel, and Lisa has her own jingle, so we will go ahead and play that for you now. Lisa tells me that your latest peculiarities, your fits of crying, your secretiveness, indicate you're on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Why don't you just tell me your side of the story? Well, come on in. Everybody's here. Couldn't start the show without you. You are a fine Christian lady. And after I, after I wipe out all the punks of this world, bake you into a pie and feed it to the social worker. Smell that? Yeah, I smell something. Lisa Chapel on Southern Progressive Revival. All right, Lisa. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. Yes, thank you so, so much again for being here, for being a, a co-host, and for being on our very first show. Um, and uh, last but not least, certainly, is Adam Hebert from Enterprise, Alabama. Hello. All right, so we will go ahead and get back to the news at hand, uh, a continuation of our prior um, segment. We had some incredibly exciting news this week, uh, Adam. I don't know if you heard it or not, but I will let the man speak for himself. And uh, here we go. And yes, as you probably could have guessed by this moment, I have decided in 2020 to run for president. And in case you were not familiar with who that is, that is rapper and husband of Kim Kardashian, <laughs> Kanye West. Idiot. Yes, a man who has contributed a ne- who has contributed a negative to society. <laughs> I would say so, uh, particularly after his uh, naming his child after a compass position. But um, you know, um, of course, Kanye West has been embroiled in a lot of scandals over the years. Um, I think most famously was when he interrupted the, uh, the, the VMAs, uh, award to Taylor Swift, uh, where he said that Beyonce was the best artist. And since then he's tried to apologize. He's tried to backpedal. Um, uh, when he went on the air to announce that he was running for president, um, he prefaced it by saying that, at 8 a.m. Oh, I can't. That is totally not the right clip. I am so sorry. He prefaced it by saying this. Y'all might be thinking right now, I wonder, did he smoke some before he came out here? <laughs> the answer is yes. I rolled up a little some. I knocked the edge off. And, well, uh, I, I certainly don't have a problem with that, and, and I'm, I'm not saying anything about the uh, recreational or medical use. Of, of marijuana in, in a negative light. Um, I, I think that this is just par for the course with uh, Kanye West. But um, uh, Adam, I, I really wanted to get your uh, deep perspective on a possible Kanye West run for the presidency. Um, well, you know, 
Uh, first of all, President Obama was right. Kanye West is a jackass. Um, second of all, Kanye West is living proof that you can have all the money in the world and not have an ounce of class. See also, you know, pretty much anyone on the Republican side, but especially Donald Trump, who has absolutely no class. I mean, the, the, the guy, let him run. Let him run. He's, he's, gonna, he's not going to even make a blip on the radar. Well, it's actually interesting that you should say that, and I, I wasn't able to get the audio for this, unfortunately. But um, NBC, MSNBC guest panelist John Heileman said Monday on Morning Joe that if Donald Trump could be the Republican frontrunner in the summer of 2015, that there was no reason rap artist Kanye West could not do the same for Democrats in 2019. Uh, considering how crazy this clown car circus has been, do you think that there's any truth to that at all? Is this for well, real? I mean, sorry. Unfortunately, yeah, it is for real. I, I, I believe it. Well, the thing is, is that I, I Donald Trump's popularity comes from the fact that people look at him and say, hey, he's an asshole like I am. You know, it's the W effect. They want to have a beer with him. That's not the sort of quality you want in a president. Mm -hmm. I prefer to have a president who's uh, smarter than I am. Call me crazy. Although I, I think that, you know, I, look, let me put it this way. My my idea is that uh, we put we basically, you know, Put a sign outside the White House. Your IQ must be this high to get in, and make the IQ the, the minimum IQ just high enough to exclude ninety nine percent of Republicans. <laughs> we'll use we'll use our mutual friend War as War's IQ as the baseline. I think that's that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. I I think that that is uh, a very good plan. I, I wish that it could be implemented. It would be very nice. Um, but, but Janet, based off of, of that comment, uh, that was said, um, you know, Trump, Trump is the front runner right now for the Republican ticket. Um, it, it could very well be because he's an asshole as Adam postured. I believe that that is the case personally. Uh, but, but what's your take? Do you think Kanye could have a Trump like effect in the democratic primary or do you think that he's just, uh, going to be a dead duck? Oh, please God, let him be a dead duck. I, I mean, <laughs> Jacob just posted a link from HuffPost that says he's a big contributor to the Democrats. I mm. mean, oh, please, let's not fall into that damn... No, no, uh-uh. Yeah, uh -uh. he actually live-tweeted from the Democratic National Convention uh, in 2012. So we have... A Trump on our side. We do. That sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, I thought we had more brains than that. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that uh, we we're, we're smart enough to to see this for what it is. Um, uh, Lisa, do do you think that the Democrats would give him the same sort of chance that Republicans have given Donald Trump? I'm hoping that the Democrats would shut him down. Yeah, I think I think that one thing that that we 
generally are pretty good about is is that once the primary is over, we we fall behind our guy. Um, of course, this this election or or gal, I apologize. Um, th- this uh, th- this campaign has been a little bit more divisive than we've seen uh, for quite some time. Um, particularly uh, a lot of Bernie Sanders fans that are stating that if Hillary wins the nomination, they just won't go out to vote, um, which I think is is ridiculous and certainly is not going to help us because, you know, whoever gets into the White House next is is going to pick uh, Supreme Court justices. They, they are going to be there to dismantle um, Obamacare, and I call it that proudly, because I, I think that it should be something to be proud of. I think it's an accomplishment that Obama uh, had that putting his name to is, is a good thing, uh, even though the, the right likes to use that as sort of a dirty word. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's just my thought on that. And of course, if, if you're curious as to why we are covering the Kanye West thing, he is a native of Atlanta, Georgia, hot Atlanta. So he would be a... <laughs> He would be a Southern candidate. <laughs> Con. <laughs> I I just have to say that it it, it uh, doesn't make any sense. No sense at all. Yeah. A Southerner with money. <laughs> Can you imagine his campaign? Oh gosh. I mean, um. I, I I try not to. <laughs> it's painful. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's better for my health to try not to. But <laughs> he he is a very rich man, so it'll it'll be interesting to see. That is for sure. Um, but yeah, with uh with with Kanye West out of the way, uh, since we do have a little bit of extra time before we get, um, uh, let's see. I am so so sorry, everybody. Um, oh, actually, we have we have plenty of time. Uh, surprisingly, um, we are going to move on to our very next segment. Uh, this is where we cover the negative stories. I promise that in the future, uh, Gander at the Soapbox will be much more balanced. But uh, these three: uh, Roy Blunt from Missouri, um, dear dear Kanye West, and uh, Senator Tom Cotton from Oklahoma. <laughs> Um, I think deserved attention. Uh, Arkansas. He's Arkansas. from Arkansas. Tom Cotton is from Arkansas. Oh, okay. I apologize. Uh, Tom Cotton from Arkansas. Uh, but yeah, I, I really think that they deserved our attention. Um, but we are now going to move on to the official uh, bashing part of the program, where I believe Adam will do a plentiful amount of evisceration. Um, so let's I'll go ahead. I'll try not to let you down. <laughs> Thank you very much. So let's go ahead and get that party started. All I ask from you is a very simple answer to a very simple question. Are you crazy? Or just plain stupid? But I will ask that everyone please behave. He's a lunatic, I'm telling you. Can I help you with that? Y'all don't know shit from applesauce. All right, this is Don't Know Shit from Applesauce, the segment where we bring to you the bad folks, organizations, and politicians that are hurting the South. Um, this, uh, we, we do have some very phenomenal stories for you this week. Um, and the lead in I think is, uh, super fun. Um, but to start with, um, factcheck.org 
if any of you are not aware, um, is a part of the Annenberg Institute. Um, it was founded by William and Lenore Annenberg in Philadelphia back in 1993. Um, they are... Uh, have been accused by the right of being uh, liberal. Factcheck.org has. But, uh, you know, uh, William and Lenore Annenberg were Republicans. Um, William, in particular, served presidents going back as far as Eisenhower and was a friend of Ronald Reagan's. Um, So these are... This is a a conservative organization in, in theory... But really, what they try to bring to the fore are just the facts. And he, uh, uh, the met, I'm so sorry, um, a man from factcheck.org, Eugene Kiley, uh, gave a rare interview where he called out a couple politicians. Um, and the first one was uh, Governor, former Governor Jeb Bush from Florida. And his comments about well, I will let him speak for himself. Yeah, and you guys cover your bases very clearly then too. And, and moving forward, this Jeb Bush, he's uh, claimed that Planned Parenthood is quote, and this is his words, uh, not actually doing women's health issues. Is that claim true or false? You say unequivocally false yes um and we're not the only ones in that other fact-checking organizations have, have said the same thing it's not really clear what he was talking about and uh, when we went to the campaign all we got was a tweet that uh, jeb bush had sent out in response to hillary clinton saying that he was wrong but you know the facts are pretty clear that planned parenthood provides women's health um they do provide abortions there's the 327,000 that were performed there in 2013 but uh, there's tests and treatments for sexually transmitted infections. It's 4.5 million of, of those. Contraception-related services, 3.6 million. The list goes on and on. And yeah. on these stats. So, so yeah, this is a uh, organization founded by conservatives uh, that works diligently to bring out the truth and to make sure that all the facts are in order. Uh, coming out to tell everyone publicly that what Jeb has said about Planned Parenthood is absolutely wrong. Well. Yeah. Here's the thing. The, the reason why Republicans and conservatives say the Annenberg Foundation, you know, it's a, it's liberal and it's because reality has a liberal bias, just like math has a liberal bias. You know, liberals look at two plus two and say, oh, that's four. Republicans <laughs> look at two plus two and, you know, they'll tell you it's 542. I. I <laughs> That is very, very true. Um, and make you believe it. Yeah, try abs- to make you believe it. Absolutely. If you don't know your own facts. Yeah, yeah. trickle down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, very fun, and it's still affecting us today. But, um, Janet, since you have been such a champion of uh, of, of the feminist movement of, of true gender equality... And, and you have been out there fighting ever since that obviously edited and skewed Planned Parenthood video came out and all the, the fallout that has come from that. Um, I, I would really like to get your comments on this. Well, that another thing that is that the tape says and what it says in the article that has been shown over and over 
that the Annenberg Institute brought out because this guy was really upset by this. Um, and they don't do this. They very seldom do. They do the fact-checking in the background. They very seldom ever come out. This is one of the first times this man's done this. What they said is they watched the eight tapes, the ones that had been, you know, edited. They knew they'd been edited. And what he said they never bring out is the fees are 30 to to $100 for fetal tissue procurement. And that they went and checked with fetal tissue procurement places and groups. And that is a standard reasonable fee. But they don't talk about that or the fact that it's less than 3% or 1% of Planned Parenthood services have anything to do with abortion. And of the abortions, there's very few that do the fetal tissue. And it's always done by the woman volunteering or asking. They don't just come and say, you know, can we do this? The woman asks to donate before they do it. And there's a lot of men's services that are done there, but they don't ever bring that out either. And I'm just really sick and tired of this because what it is is not only wanting us to go back to the 50s, but I also think... This is a racist type issue. I remember Mitt watching Mitt Romney um, at a graduation ceremony, and it just hit me that he said, go out and have lots and lots of babies. He was at some Mormon place. And um, I thought, that's what the whole thing's about, is having a bunch of babies. Go out there and, like, what do they think they're going to do with the rest of them? You know, God forbid, what are you, what are you going to do? Exactly. And it's also getting women to believe that what they're saying is true. You can't have abortions. You have to be barefoot and pregnant. If you're barefoot and pregnant, you can't go out and work. You don't have any autonomy. I'm just sick of this shit. I thought we got done with this back in the 70s. Okay, I'm chilling. <laughs> hey, there there is no reason to to chill at all. I mean, I really think that the Republicans have renewed the war against women, and and there's nothing else to call it other than that. Um, and I mean, I I know Lisa, um, uh, of course, um, is a feminist as well. Um, but but being being a parent, having having a daughter. Um, knowing that, that there are places like Planned Parenthood where she can get uh, birth control, where, where she can get uh, access to STD screenings, things like that. Um, do you have anything to add to the conversation? Well, it's just interesting to me, you know, um, uh, they're always talking about what they perceive as, as the bad about Planned Parenthood, but they never bring out all of the good stuff um, about Planned Parenthood. I mean, um, like Janet said, I mean, it's it's not um, just abortion that they do there. Um, they do breast and cervical cancer screening, uh, HIV screening, counseling, contraception. And once again, I also feel like that we're criminalizing the poor again here in, you know, in our country uh, and in our state. And um, uh, uh, these are mostly... Poor women 
that go to Planned Parenthood, and um, they get services on a sliding ski. I, I mean, it's a sliding scale. Um, so I, I just feel like that the Republicans are are um, criminalizing the poor once again. And I think that that's a really good assessment, and and that really feels like it's a recurring theme. Um, just treating the the poor as as pariahs of of creating this sort of modern day caste system in the United States. Um, but but Adam, uh, I mean, I, we're we're both males, so of course we we don't have as much of an opinion. Uh, or, or don't have as right uh, as much of a right to an opinion as uh, Janet or Lisa do, um, because you know, hey, if you don't have a fetus, you sh- it's none of your business. Um, but but do you feel that that this war on poverty, that this war on women, is is really alive and well? Oh yes, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, the war on poverty is real because you have all these Repu- – it's only Republican states where they're trying to dictate what you can and can't buy with food stamps, mm-hmm. saying you can't buy seafood. Well, you know, seafood can be a very economical way to get protein. You know, it's all about eating the designated foods the state decides you poors get to eat. So po- potatoes and maybe we'll let you have hamburger but no steak. The war on women, of course. I mean, they're, they're, of course, they're going to ignore any uh, conservatives. Are all about, <clears throat> excuse me, keeping you know maintaining a narrative. You know, for example, President Obama. The day that the day after the election, two thousand eight, Mitch McConnell saying our goal is to make President Obama one term president, and they weren't going to let anything change the narrative from failed president. So elect us, you know. You see that even now, you know, with the Iran deal. They can't let him have a victory because it'll challenge their narrative, which is President Obama is a horrible president. Planned Parenthood only does abortions. Planned Parenthood only serves women. You know, blah, 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 blah. You know, anything that challenges their narrative is ignored and acted like, and they act like it doesn't exist. And it's par for the course. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it, it sort of goes back to the discussion that we had earlier about cherry picking. You know, they're they're just picking these these very small things that that aren't facts. They're putting them up there. They're they're treating them as though they are the and and in a lot of ways they are the the gospel of the Republican Party. And it's it's just hurting so so many people. And uh I for one will be ha- very very happy to see Jeb Bush not win the Republican nomination at, th- at this point, I really think that having the the Bush name has has damned any chance that he has of getting it. Thank God. <laughs> oh, I, I I definitely agree. I after W, the Bush family name is worth less than a dog turd. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we can definitely all agree on that. All right, so. Uh, we got that in. We uh, did have some other stories we wanted to bring you t- to you tonight. Uh, we will have to bring those to you next week. Um, but we are going to go to our last long break of the evening. Um, this break is featuring a new song for you to check out. So once again, please do let me know how you feel about it. Uh, this is King of the Ville by Lords of the Highway, another band that Kenny Pick introduced me to. Uh, I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. And uh, once we come back from that, we will have your own Kim Williams on for Southern Hospitality. 
So everyone, don't go away. We will be right back. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. We have been the instrument of change in the past. We know what needs to be done. We know how to do it. We know that we can impact policies which affect education, human rights, civil rights, economic and social opportunity. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. Oh 
listening to Southern Progressive Revival. And we know Democrats support the working men and women of this country, so we understand hard work. So let's talk a little bit about ideas and how we reclaim ideas that we know win in red states. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everyone, welcome back to Hour 3 of Southern Progressive Revival. Uh, We will be introducing you to our Southern Hospitality guest for the evening, Kim Williams, in just a moment. But before we do that, I would uh, like to welcome back uh, Lisa Chapel from Greensboro, North Carolina. Hello, everyone. Uh, Thank you, Lisa. And Janet Lee from the Lakes of the Ozarks area, Missouri. Hello, and welcome, everybody. Thank you so much. And Adam Hebert, of course, from Mike Check Radio, from Enterprise, Alabama. Yes, I'm here. All right. Thank you so much, Adam. Okay, of course, uh, Southern Hospitality is a segment that we are going to have on the show every single week. Um, We already have an amazing, amazing uh, list of people that are going to be on. Uh, We are very, very proud to have Kim here tonight. Uh, Kim is, of course, the owner and station manager here at Indie Media Weekly. She is the wonderful individual that helped come up with the final name for the show, the one who has given us the opportunity to present our perspectives to you. Uh, she is the creator of most of our jingle segments and is just an all-around amazing person in every way you can think of. Um, she's a very hardworking woman. I, I believe probably the hardest-working woman I've ever met in my life. So... Kim, thank you so much for being on. It is a pleasure to have you. Well, thank you. You guys are rocking it. You're rocking it. <laughs> Southern Progressive oh. Revival out of the gate. I mean, it just makes me want to say hallelujah. <laughs> All right. Let's have oh, some church. Cool. <laughs> no, let's not. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's all it's all it's all the church of love. You know, That's we're all true. one. It's like, uh, not to get too woo-woo on you guys right out of the gate, um, but uh, this is so exciting for me, hearing you guys live on Any Media Weekly Radio, because you know, I mean, Lisa, I'm all, I'm all about what you're talking about, girlfriend. I'm, okay. I'm a former healthcare person myself. Uh, I, know, I know how special that job can be, mm-hmm. and hard it, it can be, and uh, kudos to you, girl, for for being in there and taking care of people. That's awesome. Thank you. And of course, Janet. Janet. Yeah. Janet, my bud. Hi. <laughs> Rocking it, girlfriend. Rocking it. Loving love I love hearing you on the air on Any Media Weekly Radio. Oh well, thank you. Thank you and, so much. And of course, Adam. There's only one Adam Hebert, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Adam Hebert. Well my mom did my mom did say it should be limited to one or less of myself, Kim, so Okay, well, I, I, I think I think one is just the perfect amount. Would y'all all agree? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Only one. And, the uniqueness. And, yes, it's uh, it's it's quite it's the delicacy. Honestly, really, I mean, no one else has an Adam Hebert except for Andy Media Weekly Radio. This is very very true, and I, I think that we are all glad to have him here. Yeah, and Mike Check Radio. Um, Love that show, but I tell you, Adam, I just want to call you out right now, out here in public on the airwaves. Midnight Sun, that's a special thing. 
There's nothing like that that I know of out on the interwebs. And, and I hope to see in the future um, you do more with that show because that is a really, really cool idea. And everybody, tune in to the new segment on Indie Media Weekly Radio, The Bento Box, where you'll get a little taste, like a couple of little pieces of sushi, mm-hmm. if Adam's featured artists were sushi. And it's awesome, man. Love that segment. So just... I, I love your show. I don't listen to it enough, but now that it's at 11 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to try to get in there. And there's another reason why I could possibly have more time to listen to more shows, and that's because Jonathan Matthews has come in and taken a lot of the stuff I've been doing day in and day out, the grind to keeping the station running, the work that needs to happen behind the scenes, and he did such a great job of helping me with that. He's been such an inspiration and such a wealth of information and assistance that I named him Associate Publisher of Indie Media Weekly. So let's give it up. Jonathan Matthews, Associate Publisher at Indie Media Weekly. (laughs) (laughs) Go, Jonathan. Thank you. Yeah, man. You've you've (laughs) impressed me. You've given me, uh, I can see a new level of scalability now with Indie Media Weekly that I didn't have before with your help. Um, being able to bounce ideas off of you and help me coordinate the things I've been wanting to do for so long and haven't had the time. Couldn't do it. So, thanks, man. I'm really looking forward to that. I think I think the station is going to be far better, much better than I've, I've been able to do myself because of you helping me coordinate all the great talent that's here. Kenny Pick, Adam, the music shows, Michael. I mean... Roger, so you start down the list now at Indie Media Weekly, and it's like, it's, it's as long as your arm. It of really the great is. people. Yes, and shows <laughs> that are here on this network. And it's, it's amazing. So I just want just to make sure that you know how much I appreciate what you've been doing. And I really thank you for your assistance because this station is going to be way better because you're helping me with it. So thank you so much. Uh-huh. Well, thank you so much. And really, it's it's a pleasure. Um, I will be the first to admit that I, I don't accept compliments uh, very well. I, I should be better about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, it, it's cool, man. It's good. You know, we're just like, hey, fist bump. We're going to kill this thing. We're going to crush it. And Southern Progressive Revival is is an outstanding show. And I know, I know it's going to be popular. Well, thank you so much. I, I really hope that people are enjoying it. And. Uh, this, of course, being the the very first episode, it uh, started out with my heart pumping. It has slowed <laughs> down since then, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> it's thrilling. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you have enjoyed it, and I hope that everybody else that li- that is listening to has enjoyed it as well so far. I have. It's kicked ass. Thank you so much. Um, now, Kim, one one of the things this week that you posted on IndieMediaWeekly.com. And, uh, of course, I encourage everybody that's listening or that's in the chat that has not had a chance to see it yet um, was a documentary by another amazing Kim called Troubled the Waters. Um, Mm. It was uh, very timely released uh, around the uh, anniversary of, uh, what was it, the 10th year anniversary? Yeah. The the documentary itself, though, was released right after Katrina. And so... The actual, you know, 
I mean, then the hype for the 10th anniversary kind of brought it back out and brought it brought my attention back to it. Yeah. Hmm. But uh, I I watched it. I I know that Lisa watched it. I'm I'm fairly certain that Janet has has either watched it or seen the majority of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but just from what I got from that was how absolutely amazing it is to come back from something like that. I mean, in in this, you saw the levees break in the lower ninth ward. You saw the waters rise. Uh, th- this this lady Kim, um, her her last name escapes me at the moment. I apologize. R- what was that again? Kim Rivers. Rivers, thank you. Um, Ms. Rivers was filming this, and to just see the water go into her house to survive, to make it out of that, to have that much power of spirit is just amazing. I do not think that I could have done that myself. Well, it is, and you know, like I said, that came out. Um, I don't know. I can't even remember. It's it's actually called Trouble the Water, and I think it's TroubleTheWaterFilm.com if you want to go check it out. But uh, I'm going to pull that up real quick because the tagline for the film, yeah, here it is. It's not about a hurricane. It's about America. I mean, that says it all. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, we are talking about the effects of systemic racism in our society when we talk about what happened with Katrina. There's no other way around it. Absolutely. And it's one of the, obviously, to me, the most glaring incidences in recent history where we saw blatant racism on display. Absolutely. We saw white people in utter denial about what was really happening on the ground. And, um, of course, Kim Rivers, a resident of the Ninth Ward, uh, a young black woman with a family, uh, trying to survive in New Orleans. And New Orleans, <laughs> New Orleans has always been a mean city for people who are poor. Mm-hmm. And I lived there, I moved there when I was six years old in 1969, and I lived there until 1976. I was a freshman in high school. I left. And I left because of the level of violence that was going on around me in my school, in my neighborhood. And it was it was an economic it, it resulted from economics, but it was also very, very, very racial. And to this day, we still have this going on in New Orleans, Louisiana, where you know, when I was a six-year-old walking into the fifth grade in inner-city elementary public school in New Orleans, Louisiana, I was a white-bred kid from Irving, Texas, and I didn't—I was not prepared for all of that. And it was crazy, but it was also—it taught—it—it it, it taught me a lot about about the adversity that that the inner-city kids faced, and that it was really. Yes, it was about race. There was no way around it. I learned that lesson really early and learned it in New Orleans, as a matter of fact. So Kim's story, the filming of the whole thing from start to finish the day before, you know, they're walking around in the street, whatever street it was they lived on in the Ninth Ward, talking to their neighbors, neighbors leaving. Kim says in the film, 
she she says this before all this happens, before Katrina. Yeah, well, you know, we'd leave too if we had a way. Mm-hmm. No, she we didn't have a way. It. Yeah. Neither did yeah. neither did thousands of <laughs> other people have a way. I mean, that's fine. You tell people to evacuate, but you know what? Some people can't. Well, you should just watch it. You can go to IndieMediaWeekly.com and uh, click on the post there. It's one of the recent posts. The whole film is there for you to watch. It's like an hour and 15 minutes. It's via Hulu, via an embed. And uh, put it up on full screen if you're watching it on your desktop. Get, get a big face full of what Kim's going to show you. Because what she's showing you is an America in decline. She's showing you a place where middle class people and poor people can't even live, can't even be above the threat of death from a crumbling infrastructure. And you'll see what happens. But like Jonathan said, she's resilient. She grew up in some some mean, mean times. And so she wanted better for herself. So she shot this documentary and then she started a musical career. She has a... Um, a musical name, I think it's called Black Cold Medina, K K O L D Medina. Mm-hmm. But go to TroubleTheWaterFilm.com, and I think you can get there from there. But of course, links are also on IndieMediaWeekly.com. But she started a music career, and her music is awesome. I mean, I know lots wow. of you out there, friends, friends, and fans of Mac. Uh, very similar um, kind of a socially conscious uh, rap hip hop. Yeah, her music is great. Yeah, and I got in touch with her. Uh, I guess it was soon after I discovered the movie a few years ago, probably six years ago, seven years ago, back when I first started blogging and uh, kind of got, got to know her on Facebook. She's just, you know, she's just people. She's just like us. You know, she's out there trying to make it. And so I know that if all y'all will go out there and hit her up on Facebook, uh, go find Trouble the Water film.com there's a link to facebook and twitter right there on that page and support what she's doing because she she is uh she's she's special but you know so are a lot of folks that nobody ever hears about and living in the ninth ward in new orleans louisiana or in a you know in a lot of places in this country where you don't see anybody but people of color that is a tough life and they've been put under economic um I don't know. Servitude is the way I see it. It's just, it's horrible. We really got down to it. And we really took a hard look at what's going on. It's not pretty. And we have to change this. And, and this, yeah, next, this next election, this I'm afraid it's for all the marbles. Call me reactive or overreactive. That's fine. But I think it's important. I think it's that important. I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I believe Janet was trying to say did you well, have something to ask Karad? yeah and i was going to ask too do you feel like i mean i know there was structural problems there was holes in there it almost felt like to me watching that movie and then um thinking about detroit and all the other cities the gentrification issue like if it was almost <laughs> done on purpose you know if we can get them out of the ninth ward and get them out of here then we're going to be able to take over the areas that we want? Well, I think you, I don't you, think anybody went and drilled holes in the levee to try to drown all these people, but I think that some opportunities were taken. 
You know what I mean? Oh, I definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so the larger picture, because, and I know, I know, not all, I have to remind myself that not all corporations are bad, but I, you know, all y'all that know me know that I have a big old bias against corporations. I just don't trust them. I'm they right don't have a soul. <laughs> they think they're people. I mean, come on. You can't trust a, a business that thinks it's a person. What mm-hmm. the hell? And it's for so, profit. <laughs> exactly. It's for profit. Um, but anyway, aside from that, um, well, the whole economic system has been set up for, for, well, since the beginning, maybe we could say, to, to um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Take advantage of certain segments and siphon their wealth out, their lifeblood, their life force, their wealth, their their um uh what would the corporation call it you know uh their value their right their Their assets until they're they're no longer an asset exactly or you know they're just a commodity to be bought and sold like like payday lenders poor people are a commodity to them they're just a something to be used up and thrown away it's disgusting and 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 over time we've got these this now a society, a business society that preys on people like that, and that's okay, and it happens right around us all the time, and nobody really, you know, but we're all at such a disadvantage. We're all so pressed to the wall by this whole system that needs to be completely rethought as far as our economy goes, and they just keep pressing us against that wall. It's like that ride at the fair where you can't move. It's all spinning so fast, and the pressure's got you against the wall, and you try to fight, but you can't. It's like, well, somebody out there needs to shut that right off. You know, if you're not in that position, then you need to be taking action that we can't. And everybody can do something. So, I mean, right. if you just did one thing today or tonight, go like up Kim's page, TroubleTheWaterFilm.com, and just, you know, give her a thumbs up and say, you heard about the film, you checked it out, and, you know, give her some props. I mean, just even that. Because, you know, it's 10 years later. It's a great film. And it was in, uh, for a bunch of awards and stuff. But now, it's largely kind of forgotten. Well, I think we need to, in this revival, if we're going to have a Southern Progressive Revival, let's bring these things back. Let's, let's give them some praise. You know, let's say, amen, sister. And, you know, and hold her up and say, yes, this woman's fighting. Let's help her fight. Let's fight with her. So that's, yeah, I think she's awesome. It's not pretty in some places. There's, there's, for instance, uh, there's some things with, with their dogs. I mean, you know, I'm a dog lover. I don't like seeing dogs kind of chained up outside and used for guarding and things like that. But you know what? They're, they were also loved. Those dogs were, they loved those dogs and they thought they had lost them in the flood. And in the end, they didn't. So they have a different relationship with their animals than I have with mine. And I have to admit, I was, I was a little rubbed kind of the wrong way about it. But then I had to stop and say, you know what? I'm not going to judge these people about this. They're not fighting their dogs. They are not, you know, willfully mistreating their dogs. They don't have the wherewithal that I have to take care of their dogs the way I do. Yeah. And and so, but, but, you know, I mean, that's what I'm saying. This film really gives you the look. 
gives you a pulls the veil back because most of us middle classers we don't know we don't have any idea what life is like for kimberly rivers in the ninth ward in new orleans louisiana on a day-to-day basis so it's worth a look it's worth a look absolutely and i and i really think i i love where you went with that where, where you said that this is still a battle that's being fought that there are these neighborhoods where people are still living this nightmare every day and and new orleans um it's not over it never has been over for them yeah it's never been over and mm-hmm. that's one of the things i liked and and i won't i won't spoil the ending the the ending is very appropriate the feel of it um yeah but uh really doing what whatever we can to Im- improve the lives to get rid of this systemic hatred and racism um to make sure that we never have the sort of response to a national disaster again like we did to Katrina is something that I think is not only something that we should do as liberals and progressives but something that we should do as human beings yeah yes sir amen so uh adding on to that a bit um I know that um, you grew up in Texas, um, or are originally from Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how long have what, what periods in your life did you live in Texas? I've actually never had the opportunity to ask you that question. Well, I was born in Dallas, and I lived there until I was six. And my mom married my stepfather, who was in the Navy, and he got sent to the uh, Naval Air Station in New Orleans in 1969. And I went to elementary school at a school at the time in New Orleans that was called Adolf Meyer um, Elementary. And now it's actually called Harriet Tubman Elementary. I was in Nor- I was in New Orleans a while back and went by and saw they'd renamed it. So there you oh, go. Cool. Yeah. But uh, I moved back to Texas and lived with my grandparents when I was 12 and moved to East Texas to a little sleepy little country town you know, K through 12 school, all in one place, funded by old money. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's how they're funded by old money. You know, yeah, they got the nice stadium. They got the old money. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was, uh, sweet. It was sweet because that was a, that was a real tough time in my life. Um, that period in New Orleans was really rough. And, um, so I went back to live with my grandmother and my grandfather in East Texas and uh, got to be a kid. You know, I played softball. I wasn't lost in a big inner city school, um, scared, you know, I was going to get the shit kicked out of me. You know, I mean, it was just, it was awful. But in in uh, East Texas, it was just, a, you know, a little quiet country town. And I lived in East Texas until I went in the Air Force in 89. And then I went to, I traveled, uh, not around the world, but just to Fort Worth. (laughs) (laughs) And I was stationed in Fort Worth for a while at Robert L. Thompson Strategic Hospital at the SAC base there. And went to Germany during the first first Gulf War, set up a third echelon hospital there in Germany, staging people out from the war zone. And then... Uh, when I got back, um, 
I stayed in healthcare for a little while and then I moved to Houston and got into corporate healthcare in Houston and I worked my way up and um, my partner at the time worked for Enron and we were doing good and then you know Enron happened <laughs> and, then, um, and then but she didn't lose her job she actually retained her job for like the next two years while we made an escape plan but um but healthcare hit the shit hit the fan in Houston at that same time and the company I worked for uh, was um, taken out in a real hostile manner um, of the market because um, you know healthcare is all about patients and taking care of people y'all don't you know mm-hmm. and uh so but but the but the back end of it the business end of it is really brutal it's ugly and um cutthroat at times and so i got out i managed to get out with um a nice severance package and i said see ya and uh, we left there sold everything and moved to a mountaintop in tennessee on the Appalachian trail so I've been in Tennessee, North Carolina now. I was thinking about it the other day. I think I moved here. It was the year after 9-11, whenever, whatever year that was. 20, I'm sorry, 2002. <laughs> yeah, I've been here for a long time now. That's incredible. That is uh, impressive. And I have to say, North Carolina is much better for having you. Well, when I first moved here, it was much bluer as well. And yeah, then and, yeah. 2010 happened. <laughs> oh, God. Unfortunately. Pat happened. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Teabaggery happened. <laughs> I don't know how we let him get in. <laughs> well, I don't know. He had people convinced he was some kind of a moderate, and I was like, please. <laughs> at least at least he does have sense to know that marriage clerks here cannot disobey the law. He does know that. He, he knows that. So yeah, we'll give him his props <laughs> on that at the very least. <laughs> One of the few things. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but I, I do have some more questions for you, and I'm sure that uh, the other co-hosts do as well. But uh, real quick, we are okay. going to run to a very short break. Um if you don't mind hanging around with us for the rest of the show, Kim. Oh, not at all. I'm having a blast. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. It's, it's, it's absolutely a joy and a pleasure. Um, so we're going to run to break real quick. We will be right back with you here on Southern Progressive Revival. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. And we know Democrats support the working men and women of this country. So we understand hard work. So let's talk a little bit about ideas and how we reclaim ideas that we know win in red states. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. Hi, this is Kenny Pick and be sure to listen to my music program, The Night Show. Every Friday from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. The Night Show. Features a broad selection of eclectic music from my personal library, as well as your requests. So be sure to visit IndieMediaWeekly.com and find the tab for... The Night Show. 
Join the chat and submit your requests every Friday from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern on The Night Show. Only on Indie Media Weekly. IndieMediaWeekly.com for those who dare. Tune in to Inside Indie Media Weekly with Kim Williams right after Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick every Tuesday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. You'll find conversations with Indie Media Weekly show hosts, contributors, and listeners. You'll also get the latest station news and hear new artists featured on Indie Media Weekly. Again, listen to Inside Indie Media Weekly with Kim Williams, Tuesdays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on IndieMediaWeekly.com. For those who dare. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. And knowing the world as I do, I can tell you without any equivocation that the number one abuse of human rights on earth is strangely not addressed quite often is the abuse of women and girls. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to Southern Progressive Revival. We are rejoining our conversation with Kim Williams, owner of Indie Media Weekly. And as you heard from her pro, uh, from her promo, the host of Inside Indie Media Weekly with Kim Williams. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I don't know if uh, if there's anyone out there who has not had a chance to listen to Inside Indie Media Weekly yet. Um, I had the opportunity to meet Kim in person. Um, I believe it's been a few weeks ago now. But um, when we did, I told her the first time I heard about the show, I was like, ah, Inside Indie Media Weekly. I bet this is just going to be a whole lot of tech talk and, and it's not really going to be all that interesting. But I gave it a chance. I tuned in. And Kim what you present on every episode, the questions you ask, the people that you bring on is truly phenomenal. And, and you have done so much with that show. Um, it, it's really exceeded my expectations personally. And I just, I want to thank you for that and encourage our listeners and those in the chat to uh, join her. And that's uh, every Tuesday night here on Indie Media Weekly for those who dare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's been it's been a lot of fun. I I'm more of a behind the scenes kind of person, but um but I also then I miss talking to people. I miss talking to the people that kind of make the station and the network um uh, what it is. All the shows and the artists uh from uh music, spoken word, uh the the talk shows, the music shows. I mean, it's really, it's just a fascinating mix of indie media. And that is what I had envisioned. That was my dream. And now it's a reality and it gets better and better. I mean, every, it's just been an amazing year. And, and, um, but what's really cool about it is it's not just, it's the collaboration, I guess. That's really what I'm. I'm. I'm really the most excited about is because show hosts collaborate across host across shows to share to help each other with shows. That is just really a special thing, and and I mean, I hope I hope it's being done elsewhere out on the internet. Um, I'm sure it is, 
but my focus has been here and I just couldn't be happier. I mean, it's a dream come true for me to see this actually growing and becoming more popular because the whole thing was based on a simple idea. And that was to get a bigger platform for people who had something to say that needed to be heard than they previously had. So that's that's it. That's the mission. That's the simple mission. And, and it's going really well. And now that you're on board officially to help me um, coordinate it all. We're just, uh, I just couldn't be more excited about the great things we're going to do in 2016. Absolutely. I think it's going to be an incredibly exciting year coming up. And I cannot wait to hear the new episodes of Indie Media Weekly, uh, Inside Indie Media Weekly. When when does the uh, next episode come out live again? <laughs> yeah, I gave myself five weeks. I said, I'm going to make five shows. And then I'm going to do, I'm going to replay those five shows. So we're into week, this will be week three coming up. And I've been so engrossed with other projects and stuff because I can't really work on that stuff while I'm doing the show because mm. it takes, I'm such a, I'm just crazy over the top about editing it, making sure it's perfect, as perfect as I can make it. And, and I need to get better about that. It's like, okay, let's just rock this thing, get it out the door. <laughs> because sometimes I get a bit obsessive, but um, but yeah. So the idea is you five might you might need to come see me about that, Kim. What's why? What are we gonna do? We're gonna have give a drink. Some, give you some therapy. <laughs> oh, okay. You should just come to Asheville and let's have margaritas, and you could you could give me some therapy over margaritas. That sounds like therapy. <laughs> All right. Excellent. I like that. Well, we should we should plan on that. Mm-hmm. But but he, but yeah, I mean. I'm going to get it out. I'm going to get it out. I'm going to make it happen because I've got so many people I need to talk to. We've got so much new stuff going on, so much great new music, new collaborations that it's just, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And thank you, Janet, for mentioning Leslie Boyd earlier in the show. Oh, I love that woman. I just I, love her. I knew you guys were going to love her. She was one of the first activists I met when I moved to Asheville. And um, she is a force. She is a oh. force. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I, I friended her, and I was shocked. At first, I started following, and then I thought, what the heck? So I just friended her. She friended me back, which kind of surprised me. And But she chats, and, you know, she's just a normal, down-to-earth, wonderful woman. And I was so happy for him today when they crossed into Virginia. Yeah, and she, yeah, she's got some blisters and stuff going on, and and she talks about her new boyfriend, and I mean she's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> she's married. But I know she's got this young guy it. that's yeah. She's got um, this. um uh, maybe we shouldn't edit that out so Rob doesn't hear that part. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of like, okay, okay. I think he's well, with okay, her. Okay. okay. I think he's good. with her. Oh, good yeah. deal. So he's already aware of the boyfriend. Oh, yeah. And she's okay. posting it on her Facebook. So. Very good. Well, I yeah, mean, she's amazing. And, and she is. She's just uh, she's just normal folks. She's a um, she's not a celebrity. She's just she's a woman who lost her passion. son. Yes. She lost her son because we have a broken health care system. It's broken, my friends. I hate to break it to you, but it's broken. Absolutely. And her, 
her son died because of it. He was a great guy, and she founded the uh, uh, Western North Carolina Health Advocates dot org. Um, on the, she has a simple mission too: health care for all. Not not health care for you if you can afford it, and maybe we'll help you with a little insurance. Maybe we won't. No, health care for all. Yes, and that's, and that's that's what she's doing. One of the reasons I absolutely loved her, and that was one of the reasons that I brought up I was a heart attack survivor, because I knew I was going to bring her in later somehow. And oh, you guys you should know, have her on the show. That's what I was thinking about. I hadn't talked to Jonathan yet. Oh, because, <laughs> well, you know, he has to prove that stuff, you know. Yeah. Oh, I would love to have her. Please don't well, let me cool. stand in the way. <laughs> I know that, uh, I know she would love to love to chat with you guys she's, oh, she's, she's all about talking to people about um health and she's passionate about it and i know you'll you'd have a great time she's a wonderful person yes cool. yeah and just hearing your conversation that you had with her on uh inside into media weekly um that that was the first time that i'd been exposed to her um yeah. but yeah i've been she... promising her i've been promising her i was going to go down to moral monday with her and i haven't done it yet but I will, I will, I will, I will, because I have to go. I, I'm being, I mean, I almost feel like, you know, everybody, everybody should go at least once. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, She's you in got, Virginia now, so. Yeah, right. <laughs> and heck, I'd, I'd go with you. Hey, we, you know what? Now, see, it's sounding like a party. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And we, we can get least... here, party over there. <laughs> We can get Lisa on the train. We can just get all the North Carolina folks. That's right. Well, I, I haven't been able to get it to her yet, but I did. Because I've been trying to get Leslie to do some um, remote interviews and chats and things with people while she's out and about. Mm-hmm. Because she has, she's right there with Reverend Barber, you know, right in the thick of it. Um, she was, in fact, like tells it on the, on the show, the story, that they were... She was with him when the idea of Moral Monday was kind of hatched. And it came out of another um, form of protest that had been going on in Raleigh for years, for a decade. Uh, I can't, something, I can't call it, but it's a, um, another um, regular thing that people have been doing for many years. Mm-hmm. And so that group was also acting as they do. Um, and that's where they hatched Moral Monday. Well, so, yeah. she's with the American um, Journey for Justice, or is that the name of the group that's marching? I'm not sure. I saw that you um, posted something about that earlier, but I haven't been able to really look at it. So, But I know Leslie, and Leslie is somewhere in these United States bringing the truth to people about health care. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what I know about her. she's something she is and she i i love the fact that they compared her to um cindy sheehan um she's yeah yeah sort of that compare comparison to where she's now the the cindy sheehan of uh of healthcare and and in case uh anyone out there listening doesn't remember cindy sheehan um she is the one who very very bravely uh protested against uh the the wars that we were in um she also 
uh, experienced a, a, a similar loss. Um, so, you know, and, uh, and, and I believe I remember hearing on your program that they had actually become friends. So, yes, yes. Cindy Sheehan, uh, lost her son, Casey in, uh, in the Gulf War. And she felt she just had a simple question for W. And the question was, what did my son die for? Mm -hmm. And he would not answer that question. And so she went down to Crawford, Texas, where W liked to hang out and chop up uh, brush, stuff like that, for the photo <laughs> op. You know, all, all hat, no cows. But he, she camped out outside the gates of his ranch in Crawford, Texas, and she made his life a living hell for a long time. Y'all remember that? CNN, everybody was there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was beautiful. I absolutely loved watching that. Yeah, but they did. They uh, Cindy has uh, Cindy's Soapbox. I think it's a podcast that Leslie turned me on to. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but I understand oh. she has a podcast. And, um, yeah, they became friends. I was not aware of that. Um, I will definitely have to check out that podcast. And uh, once we get that... Um, the the link and information for that we will share that with you guys at the top of the show next week that sounds pretty exciting yeah yeah all right so um i don't know if you caught it or not but uh our our little bumper on the way out there was a very familiar voice from your home state of texas yeah i put a note in skype i said is that an ace parker it is (laughs) (laughs) and um I, I had heard a little bit about her. Um, Kim knows much more about her than I do, and and I think that she's just a absolute wonderful example of a true Southern progressive. Um, and if it if it not infringe on you too much, um, I, I was wondering if you could tell everybody a little bit more about her. Well, I mean, I think uh, I I've met her a couple of times various functions in Houston uh, and East Parker's the mayor been the mayor for uh, what I don't even know now how long it's been a long time and um, she she is a lesbian and an out lesbian and she ran for mayor in Houston Texas being an out lesbian and she won and uh, there's a there's a large gay and lesbian community in Houston um, the gay neighborhood as they say is uh, Montrose and um, was kind of sort of the heights where I lived in Houston. So um, that's that community really supported her, obviously. And she's, she fought for uh, equal, equal rights. She's been fighting for marriage equality for 20 years, 25 years, something like that. And um, she's, at the time, she wasn't married when I lived there because uh, she couldn't get married. But I believe they are married now, her longtime partner. Um, she just, uh, she's a woman. She appealed to Houstonians. And, and again, that's one of the reasons why I'm so glad you had this program, Jonathan. It's because not all Texans are batshit crazy. Indeed. <laughs> and, 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 you know, Houston... Is a good example. They elected an openly lesbian woman mayor. I mean, absolutely. Okay, 
Well, the reason why is because it's really just practical. I mean, maybe the candidates they had to choose from were, you know, pretty whack. I don't know. Maybe maybe they didn't have to be really evolved or open-minded. But Anise is just a woman who is a practical, uh, very pragmatic, and goes about doing the job in an excellent way for all the citizens of Houston. And I think that appealed to people. Can you imagine? I know. Electing somebody who who wants to do their job and do it well. It's crazy, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, wow. You know, if you can get, if you can get, um, if you can get those kind of people and, you know, good help is hard to find, they say, and it's true. Mm-hmm. I guess it's true in politics, too. Somebody that's really right for the job is going to kick ass. Well, if you can get them on the ballot, I think a lot of people would vote for them because I'm hoping that the people who are just looking for somebody who's going to do the best job far outnumber the really crazy, crazy people who are voting because they're gun freaks or they're racist or, you know, whatever. I think really just what we need is some awareness. Mm Mm-hmm among people who can make the difference. And hopefully we're going to have that. We're going to have a resurgence of that. I, I hope so, anyway. I really do, too. And I, it really gave me a lot... And I'm, I'm sorry, guys, for, for monopolizing the interview here. <laughs> Please feel free to break in at any time. Um, but uh, one of the things that really gave me a lot of hope, wh- whether you love him or not, um, I, I know that you're a supporter, and I am as well, um, when Bernie Sanders went to South Carolina and he had a crowd of over 10,000 people in a state that most people consider to be deep red. Yeah, well, it is. Yeah. I mean, there's no question about it. But that's why I say perhaps we've reached a point where people are like sufficiently freaked out over the whack jobs out there. I mean... You don't give your car keys to your drunk uncle. You say, <laughs> you say go slip it off, dip shit. You're not driving my car. <laughs> instead, instead, they're like, yeah, let's give them the keys. Whatever. We don't care. We're busy. What are we doing? We're so busy. We're so self-absorbed that we're not noticing what's happening to our world around us. You know, And, and I think to be liberal... And to be progressive, you have to have a more expansive view and, and really take that view. I mean, really stand in that and mm-hmm. take actions on that. And, and I, I admire people who do because it's not easy. It requires time. It requires effort. It requires pulling yourself off that centrifuge wall, you know, in a world that's spinning like out of control. And we all help each other. So, you know... I mean, liberals come in all varieties, progressive liberals, whatever you want to call yourself. But we just all need to help each other down the road, you know, to a better place for everybody. And just, you know, chill out about some of the differences. If that's the question, are we achieving that? If we're achieving that, that's what really matters. But yeah, I mean, I I dig Bernie because Bernie is bringing, bringing these topics to the fore. He is making it so that establishment Democrats can no longer hide. They cannot hide. He is shining a light that is so bright that they have nowhere to hide. 
I mean, I know Republicans. I know what Republicans are about. It's pretty obvious. But we really need to think about some Democrats and, and getting people moving because I think we're, we're short on time. We've let all this go far too long. Mm-hmm. That's just my personal opinion. But I think Bernie and Hillary have roles to play in taking us down that road. And I'm just, I'm not going to make any judgments about anybody. I'm just going to say as long as we're doing that, I'm I'm happy, and we'll see how it all plays out. And I think everyone could, could get on board with that. You know, uh, at least I hope so. I yeah. certainly do too, and I I really hope that they do. I think that there's a lot of promise that that they will. Um, but as I alluded to before, I I asked the last question. I have I have been woe to allow my co-hosts uh, to uh, ask, <laughs> ask you any questions. So uh, please, uh, Janet, Lisa, Adam, if, if you have anything to ask, I know that we don't have a lot of time left, but um, please, please. Hmm. I don't know. She, she's expecting this particular inquisition. I'm like, you guys all know me too well. That's the problem here. They're like, well, I already know everything. Yeah, it's like having a conversation with a friend. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Well, I do want to go back to Katrina, unless you other two have something to say. Uh, feel Anyone? free. I, I yield the floor. No, if you have a question, do it. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I, I, oh, okay. I, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Hebert, speechless for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The only thing I wanted to ask, because I mean... I know they probably didn't punch the holes in the wall on purpose. Yeah. But but, but the I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. But the ninth ward was um obviously the the people that were poor, the black yeah. neighborhoods, that's yeah. where they were put, right? Right. Had they have had money down there, that levee would have been built right. Right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I guess what I'm saying is, in some sense, it kind of is. That's kind of where I was leading with that. But I see what you're saying. We can't really call it gentrification because they didn't. Well, after the fact, it is, for sure. Yeah. But also, too, when they left it like that, they knew what was going to happen. Yeah. I don't doubt it at all. And you're right. I mean, it, it. see, for me, it's like everything is and isn't, like, at the same time. So, right. yes, they definitely, they definitely put those people at risk. There was risk taken on their behalf that was deemed acceptable. This is just the facts. Somebody somewhere said, we are not going to spend the money on working on levees in this area for some reason. And I think, I, I think people who don't have a voice are typically the people who find themselves in those kinds of positions. Right. I'll just put it that way. And then another thing, too, like you hear so many people saying, go home. But it's like she said in the film. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was some other place. That is her home. That's where she yeah. grew up. Well, you know, it's interesting. Oh, go ahead, Janet. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, 
you can call it uh, regionalism or whatever. Maybe it wasn't on the film that I read that or heard that. But where people say, you know, well, why don't you leave, you know, go whatever, go somewhere else. Well, right. that's their home. You yeah. fix this mess. You <laughs> you put us here in this area. So you come here, you fix it. So I can come home, you know. And that's what you would expect in a civilized society to do for any of its members. Right. I mean, that's just not, that's not special. That's just like, that's just what you should do. And, and it's not happened for them. No. And New Orleans, and people saw an opportunity, saw some value in some property that before wasn't quite so valuable. You know, I, I just, you know, the whole thing is like, because there's also a real strong connection with Houston and all of this. A lot of the people from Katrina went to Houston, you know, ah. straight down I-10, right to the big city of Houston. And I know people in Houston who were incredibly resentful that those people came there and disrupted the city. Mm. Well, where are they supposed to go? Well, obviously, there's a problem with Texas. Texas is not, not Texas is a, is a place where... Ethnicity has a bearing on how you're treated. Yeah. <laughs> There's just no way around it. And, just, and, and Houston is an ethnic city. I, don't, I mean, really, like New York City, on par with New York City. Seriously. Wow. It, it's in the South, and it's like, yeehaw. Well, it's actually a, a very, um, very, very ethnic city. I mean, they have sections of Houston that have Korean street signs. You know, just like in Atlanta and places like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, to your point, Janet, this is all, this has all been condoned and, right. and, and allowed to be so for, for a long, long time. Right. And yeah. Kim, I, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I, you know, having watched this, um, when Katrina came through, uh, having watched it, you know, on live TV, the new cat newscast and everything that was going on, I just kept asking myself, um, all of these reporters are there, but yet we can't get aid to our own people. And I just personally felt that they left those people there to, to just die out. Um, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it took them about two weeks to actually get aid to them, which is ridiculous. Well, I don't know what other conclusion you could draw from that, Lisa. I know. <laughs> I, mean, and, I mean, it's like we have, what, the the greatest army in the world. We have National Guard units all over the place. Um, there was no need. No. And, but, and I saw President Bush in the film uh, of Kim Rivers' uh, film, and he kept saying that there just wasn't enough equipment. There just wasn't yeah. enough troops. And I'm just like. That's right. That's right. Because they're all fighting your war of aggression based on lies in the Middle East. Oh yeah, and I I remember hearing them turning people away. You know, on the bypasses that are trying to make it down there with aid. Yeah, Um, they were turning them away. So I mean, they were going to let those people just kind of die out. Yeah. Well, I, I know it's like it's so hard to even really accept that as an actual truth. But I, I think 
I'm with you. I think it was. I mean, and then I'm like, well, God, how could they be so fucking callous? And it's like, we don't understand the depth of these people's feelings about people of color. And it's now, because I'm, they're, they're black and they're poor. I Well, they're expendable. They've always been expendable yep. in the eyes of the 1% and people who um, live in a part of the country where people of color were once property. Not so long ago. And it's not surprising. What What is surprising to me, though, is that the rest of us in parts of the country where we've kind of done a little better, maybe, you know, we should really, we should all get together. Because I feel like that's the only way we're going to get out of this is is to all of us pull together and, and realize that the people in the South, they, we don't need to leave them to languish either. You know, and and this show is that's why I was so excited, Jonathan, when you told me about this. And I'm with you, man. I heard you at the beginning of the show. It's hard. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I I don't really I don't have any big I don't miss Texas. It's not like I'm pining to go back to Texas. I don't sing, you know, uh, deep in the heart of Texas all the time. You know, I mean, it's not like I don't have this attachment to the place, but it is where I'm from. And there's always everyone has a place where they're from. Mm-hmm. And to hear it denigrated on a regular basis the way it is, even though they certainly deserve it in large part. You know, I'm I'm up for hearing some good stuff about people in the South and, and maybe helping share that a little bit. So I'm really excited about the project. Um, the show is outstanding. I'm, I'm glad that, that Janet and Lisa and you too, Adam, I think you're a Southern boy. But would you call him a Southern denialist? Yes, I did. <laughs> okay. I, I will mean, make them pay. Well, you, I know you will. <laughs> I know you will. Um, yes, I do. Because Adam never forgets. Indeed. But, um, but, um, who, who are yeah. you again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. I've, I've been practicing your crank or laugh. Uh, yes, crank. Crank. <laughs> Anyway, I will show you that movie one day, Kim. I will show you that movie one day. You will bask in the glory of Crankor. I think your group is awesome. And I know it's your first show, but you know what? For your first show, you guys knocked it out of the park. Oh, thank you, Kim. Thank you you so much. There are some upset stomachs and nerves here. Hey, I I, I totally get that, man. I do. And, and, um, but before you know it, you're going to be all, it's going to be over. That's going to go by the wayside for the most part. And you're just going to have so much fun with this. And I know it's just going to be better and better and better. So congratulations, you guys. Awesome, awesome idea. Great show. Thank you so Thank much, you. Kim. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And unfortunately, as it is now, 10.01 p.m., we ran a little bit over, not too bad. Um, I would... Um, <clears throat> like to go ahead and get toward the closing part of the show. Uh, Kim, once again, thank you so, so much for being on. I am so glad that you were our very first Southern Hospitality guest. Um, I think that this was phenomenal. It went uh, even better than I could have dreamed. So so thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Thank all of y'all. Thank you. Thank you. All Thanks, right. Kim. Yes, you too, honey. <laughs> 
All right. So that was once again Kim Williams, owner and proprietor of Indie Media Weekly and host of Inside Indie Media Weekly with uh, Kim Williams. So uh, do please check out her show on Tuesday nights uh, di- uh, directly after Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick. Um, it has been incredibly fun to be with you this evening. Um, I will give everybody a chance to say their goodbyes, uh, and we will start in reverse order this time with Adam Hebert. Uh, well, thank you for having me. Thank you for making me part of this. And uh, don't forget to listen to the Daily Bento Box uh, every day at 2 p.m. Eastern. Oh, and I'm supposed to plug this. Uh, don't forget the, the uh, Indie Media Weekly Sci-Fi Double Feature at 10.30 Eastern. Tonight we're showing H.P. Lovecraft's The Dunwich Horror and The Shadow, The Society of the Living Dead. <laughs> Thank you. You saved me from having to plug it myself. All right. And we move now to Janet. I want to thank everybody for coming, and I'm seeing some awesome comments in the chat, and really enjoyed um, Kim. And again, I want to thank Deba for voice work, and Kenny, and you, and um, everybody that came tonight to support us. I really, really appreciate this on this uh, Memorial Weekend, and maybe next week we can talk about Memorial Day. There you and go. Thank you at all. And thank you, Jonathan, for asking me. And Night, everyone. It is my pleasure, and uh, thank you for being here. Um, and now we move on to Lisa. I want to thank all of our listeners uh, tonight for uh, coming to listen to our new show. And um, I'd like to thank Jonathan for asking me a bit to be a part of this. I'm, I'm very excited, uh, very excited to, to learn from uh, my other co-host and also from our listeners as well. Um, and I look forward to hopefully seeing you guys next week. Peace and love, everybody. Yes, indeed. Well, that is it from everybody here at Southern Progressive Revival. I would like to thank you all for tuning in for our very first episode. I know that it is a holiday weekend, so the fact that you took this time out of it to spend with us is much appreciated uh next week as i said we will have lauren mayer on as our southern hospitality guests uh it has been a pleasure being here i am sorry that i was not able to be in the chat but i promise that i will be in the future uh all of you have a wonderful wonderful night and we will catch you next sunday from 7 to 10 p.m eastern i've got to let you go Thank you so much. I okay, appreciate that's it. Good. Wonderful that, to yeah, see you. Yeah, well, yes. Yeah. You come back and see me, you hear? Good night, Mama. Good night, Ben. Good night, everyone. Good night, Mama. Good night, Daddy. Good night, children. Good night, Daddy. Good night, Elizabeth. Good night, John Boy. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob.